0: previously on the sports refuge podcast for me lamb chops doesn't really relate as a cookout type food though it was my issue with the pick it's not a bad pick i mean meat's meat food's food it's gonna be good no matter what from delaware almost live this is a sports refuge podcast this is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports and now here's your host earl holland We're back for episode 84 of the Sports Refuge podcast, the show where guests share their connection to sports. I'm your host, Earl Holland. While I dabbled in playing sports in high school, and not all that well, mind you, I understood what it's like in the heat of competition and the need for focus and lightning fast reflexes in the pursuit of victory. And while that didn't translate to success for me on the athletic field, I was able to parlay that to later accomplishments, including my run on the game show Sports Jeopardy in the fall of 2016 but my first taste of success began as a member of the Honda Campus All-Star Challenge team at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. During my five years as a member of the team, including four as a player, I met a number of teammates and people I've been able to call friends over the years. During that time, we had our share in ups and downs, disheartening losses, and thrilling victories taking part in a competition that saw 64 historically black colleges and universities battle for trivia supremacy. In this episode, I speak with a panel of guests comprised of Eldon Hawks, Mumbi Thonde Camaro, previous podcast guests Matthew Lang and Mark DeMora, Denise Blackman, and members of the team in my post-playing days, Christina Jr. and Fred Stevens. We'll talk about how they came to UMES, in addition to sharing their battle stories from previous HCASC national tournaments and more. And now, the HCASC Alumni Reunion episode of the Sports Refuge Podcast. Not a lot of sports this time. We're going to talk about a bit of a competition where it probably was just as heated as sports was. It was the Honda Campus All-Star Challenge. With me, I have an array of guests here talking about our experience experiences playing with the umes honda campus all-star challenge team and starting in chronological order from the people that i encountered who played first is eldon hawks he played from 1996 to 2001 and it was a coach in several different times throughout my time as a player and even assisting as a coach in one year then let me try to get it right Mumbi, Dante, Camiro. That was really good, Earl. Thank you. I still remember it it from all those times down in Florida. She was my teammate from 2000, I say the fall of 2001 to the spring of 2004. She was part of the team, went to the playoffs twice, national runner-up, In 2004, we had them by that much. We had them by that much. (laughs) I'm glad to have you on here, Mumby. Thanks for having me. Janice Blackman, also a member of the Honda Canvas All-Star Talent Team of 2004 for UMES. Also a member of that team, and it was Captain 2006, I believe. Yes, and member of that team as well, and it's glad to have you here as well, Janice.
1: Happy to be here.
0: And, of course, you guys have already known Mark DeMora, who has been a member. He was on the team with me and Janice, and that was an interesting team. It was a bit of a transition time. It's like in a sports team rebuild when your uh, players retire or get traded and things like that. And, of course, you guys know Mark from previous podcasts and live streams.
2: Happy to be back, girl. Thank you for doing this again.
0: And from my time as a part-time coach there in the 2005-2006 school year, it is Christina junior knee mm-hmm. sudden and uh she is here i had to i had to put the knee sudden part in there but yeah i'm glad to have you here and we may be having a few other guests join in but but christina i really thank you for being here
3: thank you for having me the one thing i wanted
0: to talk to you guys about uh the HCA's tournament just concluded they had a stretch of doing all their tournament games and going down from 16 to one and it is interesting how we all met through that circumstance, and there's plenty of others we've met as well. You know, Matt, Matt Lang, Meredith Izgara, Fred Stevens, who should be joining us a little bit later. But I feel like it really is true about the whole theory and the saying that they talk about friends for life. What do you guys think? Elvin?
4: Yeah. Um, you know, have a couple of years before most of you guys got in. Like, my team, when I first got in on, literally, like, that has been my crew. For the most part, like um, I don't know if you get, I remember Jericus Copes and, and Will Matt, like those are my closest friends. They were they were at my wedding. I've gotten jobs because of Honda and the association the connections that I've made um, over the years. It was such a great experience on a local level, bonding with each and every one of you. And just all the other um, teammates beforehand, I was um really in a story before we started as far as I, I met up with a gentleman who was on the team in 99 with us. And I literally haven't seen him since he graduated. And it was just, he made a point like, Hey, I happened to call him randomly one day and come to find out he's back in the area. And we met up and we, we're talking about getting together. And you know, he's talking about getting a house down here because he likes the area. So it's just those connections that Honda breeds are just really strong. I, I'm amazed at and. 25 plus years since I started, I've been able to maintain a lot of the relationships, the really good relationships I've built in forms through Honda. So it's, it was just an amazing platform.
0: And Mumbi, you got to say, as Eldon was talking about 20 plus years, doesn't that make us sort of feel a little old 20 years and it just going like that?
5: Uh, yeah. Like I think back about my college experience and even how I got into the academic team and it feels like it was just yesterday so (laughs) 20 years yikes
0: yikes (laughs) Uh, Janice how about you
1: yeah it only feels like 20 when you say 20 um but it like just like Moby said like it really feels like we can jump into a game tomorrow and be ready to go as a team like so like you know even what Eldon was saying right there's a bond I remember making fun of it at the time. My friends were like, you know, but really like you, you really feel connected. There are folks, even from other teams, like there's a friend of mine um, from the Bowie state team that I still stay in contact with. And so just being able to like be in a space where it's intellect and quick thinking and, blackness and of coloredness is celebrated. It really colored my experience and no pun intended. It really colored my experience though, uh, at UMES, like being a part of the academic team played a huge part of my memory of that. And I I really, I went on a fluke. Like I saw the sign and was like, let me see what this is about. But I'm so happy that I did because it does have that, those long lasting, you know, impressions.
2: Mark, how about you? I'm going to jump off a point that, um, Janice just said, because I, we'd said it a lot, I remember the specific line back in the UMES days where after a competition, we felt like we had been through a war together, you know, and it's kind of true. I mean, thankfully, it's not literally the case, but you do make those bonds being in competition and having the same interests and being sort of together for a common goal, which I think especially today is very relatable. Um, from a more personal experience, you know, it's like even before UMES, I mean, I was doing, you know, quiz bowl since middle school. So actually, you know, I, I think my first year was back in Del Mar in 1999. So maybe I haven't done it at UMES for 20 years, but I've been doing something quiz bowl wise for 20 years. But yeah, it doesn't feel that long. And then suddenly someone tells me it is kind of like, whoa, I feel the wrinkles starting to appear on my face just thinking about it. It's really wild. But I also think the other testament to that, Earl, is just that, you know, in particular, you and I have been very good friends for now 15, 16 years now. We've been through a lot of stuff, and, you know, I treasure that I've had the experience and I was able to meet everybody and that we're able to get together again just to kind of reflect and think about the future.
3: How about you, Christina? It feels weird saying Tina, so I just (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> um, I guess I'm the baby of the group um, because it's been, what, about 10 years for me. But everybody that I was on the the team with, I, I still talk to. I would say Fred is like a brother from another mother for me. Um, we've been to each other's weddings, baby showers. God, we're people's parents. Um, <laughs> and as Janice said, there's folks on other teams that um, I'm still friends with. And so I think it really did shape my experience at UMES because it was another group of like-minded people that I could connect with. I didn't know what the term blurred was at the time, but that was definitely us. And we were blurs before, you know, blurred was like the cool thing. Right. Um, But to have that safe space to be that was really incredible, especially for being so young.
0: Yeah. I always think about this. I always said, if I ever wrote a movie about our experiences, the first line would have been, nobody likes a know it all. And it's always hard to sort of think about that thing, having this unique background and this knowledge. And sometimes, and I don't want to use it as a a thought process, sometimes it feels like it's frowned upon to know a lot of stuff. And I think that's something that maybe as we've gotten older, maybe that's changed, but I can definitely think that if you were one of the black kids that knew a lot of stuff, you'd get clowned on, unfortunately.
4: That is the truth. You know, you didn't want to be, at least back in my day, a poindexter. It was hard being the one that wanted to read all the books. It was hard, the one, the young kid, black kid, especially going up in the city, that was frowned upon, being the smart one. That's definitely hard. And even transitioning to UMES, I took great comfort and solace in the academic team because we were all very different but all very like-minded where we championed each other. We championed our individual skills and strengths and knowledges, and we champion each other getting better. And that is that is something I have um, before that had never experienced before. You know, even working with you guys as far as training and coaching, you know, I learned things, you learned things, you know, getting one stick and just playing. And even, you know, when I was just a straight player, how like the team I was on, like, When it wasn't practice, we're quizzing each other, we're doing this, we're doing it. Like, all right, you take this, you take that. And just the teamwork and the camaraderie, and especially not just those that made the traveling team, but for the whole squad. Um, And that is one thing, for for the most part, I never saw egos there. Everybody was about making the team better because if we won the championship, it wasn't just those four people on the stage, it was all of us, because all of us had a hand. And everybody knew that coming in. And that is one of the best things I love about Honda is just that we were all on the same page and we all championing each other and just retaining knowledge and just knowing as much as we possibly could, because that made all of us better, not just in Honda, but in every other aspect of our academic careers and lives as well, in my opinion. Anybody like
0: to add to that?
1: No, a couple of things. Like really, when I think about it, being on an academic team, it kind of gave me a similar experience to like uh, when I was like in elementary school and like middle school, I was at the time they were still like tracking students. And so I was I had actually been tracked into like the advanced classes. Right. And so um, I was used to being in a space where less challenge, less push, you know, everyone has some different thing that they know really well. And then having a couple that mediate that, like once I go out of the school space that, you know, into like social spaces, UMS gave me an opportunity to like really, really dig back into like that blurred, you know, Christina brought up and just like, just being in, again, this space, like Eldon said, we all have our own intelligence, something to share, something to lean, so we could build off. And the team aspect, I definitely, like my first year, it was the best way to start off, right? That was the year that we had made it to the championship, made it to the final two. But, you know, I was in the audience and I was okay with that. I know I had answered my little Alicia Keys uh, question earlier <laughs> in the round robin. And so I had done my part as far we, I was up there. So my chest was sticking out from the audience. And that is what, for me, being on the academic team made me feel like we're all doing this. We're all celebrating. We're all sharing in whatever the victory that comes. And it's not often that you get into groups, or organizations that operate like that. I think um,
5: when I think of uh, my experience on the academic team, My senior year, I have been on the team all four years, and my senior year is when I felt like we all had gelled, and it felt like we were on a glide path. Everybody knew everybody else's strengths, and I think one of the reasons that we did so well was because we trusted one another, we trusted another person, like, I have never experienced anything like that since like in all honesty where it was like there was this utmost trust that if it was a literature question like Quinn had it and if it was like you know if it was a sports question either Earl or Matt had it. I don't even know how to explain it and I think even when we lost our junior year it was disheartening but it was also very much like okay now we know what we need to work on and it fueled us going into that last year and I'm so thankful for that experience because if I hadn't experienced it, I don't think I would have thought it actually existed.
0: I'll I'm admit kidding. that the academic team was the only reason why I stayed at UMES. After freshman year, I was sort of disappointed and disillusioned with UMES. And the only thing that was keeping me here, that was before I was doing radio. I was probably doing the Drama Society and all the other stuff. That was the only thing that kept me here. And like I said, I met so many different friends and I met so many different people. And 04 was huge. 03 was huge. I mean, 04 was definitely huge because we paid back South Carolina State. But... uh, <laughs> but yeah, definitely those two years were huge experiences. And like I said, 0102 and, and 0405, while not the optimal endings, it was still an experience. You know, you take the good with the bad. And I definitely think from the two outside years to the two middle years, every bit of it was worth it. One of the things I want to ask you guys while we were just talking about growing up and just being in the academic space was trivia something that was big to you growing up, just in even everyday life?
5: Yes. I love Jeopardy. I read encyclopedias. I can remember the, uh, what were they called? The Scholastic Book Tours. And mm-hmm. I remember like buying this little trivia deck and like reading it and being like, do you know the answer to blah, blah, blah. And you know, so it's always been a part of my life and I've always been intrigued by history and little known facts and things like that. So it's always been a part for me.
4: Yeah, I would say much like, uh, what Mumby said, you know, Jeopardy, uh, just reading. I was very blessed in that, um, I had a, had a mother who saw the fact that she had a, a child who liked watching public television all the time. So she always gave me books to read and, uh, scholastic book tours came around. I didn't still must do trivia books, but I like reading about history, especially movies and sci-fi. And, you know, I always got those questions <laughs> back in the day, but trivia has always been a part. And the weirdest thing is getting into Honda. I never got into uh, its academic in high school. For some reason, I think the structure and I went to a predominantly well, an all boys high school, Catholic high school. And it was something about the way it was presented never really turned me on in that regard. Uh, but I always loved trivia. So finding Honda really was what I'd always been looking for when it came to trivia. And I'm banned in so many people's houses from playing Jeopardy. My wife every year is like, get on there and take that test. <laughs> so yeah, trivia's always been something I, I've loved.
2: And you know, just I mean, again, Earl, we're both very, very, I mean, everybody here I think is a Jeopardy fan. Earl and I are particularly strong game show fans. If you're a game show fan, just a fan of games in general, any kind of game, you know, something like Han is always going to appeal to you. Um, but I wanted to, you know, related to that, you know, Eldon said something earlier. I thought that was very important. I can't obviously speak to the black perspective, but being like that math nerd or that science nerd or the quote unquote Poindexter in school where you're constantly trying to pursue something. Because I, again, also had parents that were very much the pursuit of knowledge, you know, pursuit of the truth, pursuit of, you know, the quote unquote answers to life, I guess. It was very much something that was always kind of there, and that was not always popular for me as a kid either, you know. And so, uh, there weren't many people that would openly in my school say, I like math, I like doing all that crazy stuff, I like all the scientific stuff. That was not something you tended to say back in the 90s, even I would say in the early 2000s. You know, I think that a lot of the whole nerds becoming cool probably really didn't start until you had shows like Big Bang Theory starting to come up, you know, before then nerds were the classic glasses, you know, nasally kind of thing that people had in mind. And yeah, you didn't tend to be the most well-liked person in the school, but it was always kind of a pursuit of knowledge is stronger. And I think in general, probably drives your classic Honda player more than the pursuit of, I don't know, popularity, you know, or anything like that. And so I think the general pursuit of knowledge and truth is probably what has to some extent guided us all. From the beginning.
1: Yeah, I definitely. I want to piggyback off what you said uh, with the the whole idea of like pursuing uh, information. One of my favorite stories to tell about my grandmother, who's uh, no longer with us. Uh, when I was younger, I loved to read. I would like devouring books. And I would always come across words that I didn't recognize. And I would say, hey, grandma, what does this mean? What is that? And she would never tell me. She would say, write it down, look it up. Write it down, look it up. And I used to get like frustrated at first because I'm like, you know, the word. Can you just tell me the definition? But she was instilling in me the habit of going to find out. And so that led to me just being just generally curious about anything, everything rabbit holing. That's me. I look up one thing and then I'm, you know, I'm learning about five other things along the way. And so just to be able to have the outlet where these bits of information and like factoids that I started following, you know, these little hobby things that I know about to have an outlet for it. It was what was needed for me.
2: Up to 2 a.m. at night, Denise going through Wikipedia, just going from one article to another. Like what? Did <laughs> and, <laughs> I, I, his head, cause I know he does the same thing. That's the rabbit hole. When y'all said the Scholastic
1: Book Tour. So my mother was like, after a while, she's like, I'm not going to give you money. You can put some miles on your library card. But I read books too fast. So I get a goosebump book. I read it that first day. And so what I ended up getting, like when it came to trivia, there would be, it's kind of crass a little, but there were these books and it was called like the Toilet Book of Knowledge. And yeah. basically, yeah, the oh, bathroom, God. something like that. But that's yeah. where I like really started getting into like trivia, just random pieces of Whatever. And I would like try to buy the thickest seventh edition, eighth edition, just so I can get as much random bits of info as, as possible. And I started doing that in high school. But yeah, that's the extent of my like trivia pre academic team.
0: You know, I think about that, like, again, me and Mark talk about big game show fans. I That was all I used to do, especially like from the age of three to before. I mean, I guess till six once I had afternoon kindergarten. I would watch USA, I'd watch the family channel, I'd watch CBS, ABC. It didn't matter what it was. It didn't matter if it was Jeopardy. It didn't matter if it was the price is right. It was pyramid. It was super password, whatever. I used to just sop that knowledge up and just I mean, and like Mummy, I had encyclopedia as a kid. I used to have a bookshelf, these red and black Compton's encyclopedias sitting right by my bed. And you know, they're so outdated because basically I think they were up to maybe Reagan. That's how old they were. They didn't even have Bush. They in that bush one and i would just read those things over and over and over and going a little bit my background i was in the advanced classes as well but then if you get that weird thing of being like one of five black kids in the class of predominantly white kids and then you sort of start getting lost you sort of feel like you're having a bit of a duality you're like okay here you act this way at home you sort of act this way but then You know, it's sort of the code switching in a bit. And it's like you sometimes feel like you can't let your guard down. You don't want to feel like you look stupid in front of maybe people that don't think you're as bright. But then you don't want to look like a know-it-all in front of your friends, which is the toughest thing. And you're trying to balance that. And that's something I'd say at a point, probably when I got in high school, I didn't care because I was just sort of... You get to be one of those students where, you know, you go through that angsty period where you're like, you're not going to be an overachiever. You see all these other people busting their hump, going nuts, burning themselves out before college doing that. And then they're like, let me get into college and I'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys do anything like Quiz Bowl at high school? I know, Mark, you talked about, it. in fact, that's how you met Quinn as well. But I'll tell you a quick story. I got snubbed on my high school team. I didn't even know they had it. That's how bad it was. I didn't even know they had a team. found out the team full of basically people who ended up being like the valedictorian who probably didn't have the cachet of knowledge or whatever. They got smoked. And then my senior year, I tried to put together a team. Didn't have enough people. All we needed was four people. Couldn't find a fourth person. Found three people. Had a teacher who was dedicated to doing it. Couldn't find the fourth person. I was, oh that led to me finding a long path of people will disappoint you on a constant basis. But other than that, uh, for you guys, did you guys do anything like Quiz Bowl? I know, Eldon, you talked about you sort of didn't get into that. And Mark, you did that. But how about you, Mumbi, Christina, and
3: Janice? No, we didn't. I was a band nerd in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I played the clarinet. I played the saxophone. I tore the baton and the flag. So we didn't have anything like that. But I, I grew up in a Urban area, so even if that was a thing, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't have made it to my high school, and it probably would ostracize me even more than I already was since I was a band nerd. So, yeah, no, that wasn't a thing for us
1: at my high school. I don't think we had a. I'm pretty sure we didn't have a trivia team. We had something called like the Odyssey of the Mind. I don't know what that way was like. Exclusive. You got to. They didn't invite me, so I knew nothing about it. But I was like a slash athlete dancer you know, in high school. So I
3: wasn't even looking for like trivia or anything like that. I did Odyssey of the Mind in elementary school or middle school. Yeah, I do remember that vaguely. We had to like, well, at least the category we were in, we had to like make these structures out of balsa wood and try to figure out how much weight they could hold. And we had to have a skit surrounding it. It was very odd. But now like even talking about it, I think I've always done things like this that kind of were like outside of the box and required you to really have like this like different way of viewing things and thinking about things. And so thinking about that now, it's not surprising that I found H or found me. So yeah, it's kind of interesting. The biggest question, because none of this would have been possible. What led to you guys attending
0: s Starting off with Elvin and we'll go all the way around.
4: There are a lot of factors. Um, it wasn't my first choice, but at the end of the day, it was far enough away from home where I was, Far away, but close enough. Because at the time, I had a um, my great grandmother was sick, so it was one of those things where I could get home if I needed to. And unfortunately, unfortunately, I ended up passing away before I, I graduated high school that year. But it still worked out well. I for me, it was one of those things where I wanted to go to an HBCU. So literally, it was either. UMES or A&T, which were on my list. Um, In addition to, I think, at University of Tampa, I got a post scholarship and Franklin Pierce College in New Hampshire, because for me, it was all about the major of environmental science. So those were my major choices. And really, I went down for a campus tour. And it was one of those things where you kind of know where you belong. And that's how I felt. And it worked out too, as far as like, I'm from Baltimore originally. So it was with three and a half hours or whatever from Baltimore, you know, I don't know. We've refined that over the years going up and down (laughs) 97 and 95, 13, but it was just one of those things where it was, I ended up knowing where I belonged and having a last name of Hawks didn't help, um, either in that decision, like that's a perfect fit. So that's why I ultimately, uh, went and then I ended up staying. And then my sister came behind me and that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah, it was, um, a lot of different factors, but I made a good decision. I learned a lot and I grew a lot as just as a man uh, being there for both my bachelors and my masters. Mambi, how about you?
5: I was trying to go as far away as possible, as possible, and my parents were having not one bit of that. I was trying to go to school in Texas. I actually found a school that was on the border with Mexico. <laughs> And I was about to apply and everything. And I'll never forget. My mom said, and I quote, your hot ass is not going to Texas.
4: So,
5: <laughs> so uh, my dad was like, oh, um, yeah, you think you're funny. So he gave me an application to Morgan and an application to UMES. And uh, I was like, I'm definitely not going to Morgan because at the time I lived in <laughs> Ridge, which is right down the street from Columbia. And I was like, my mom will be in my face 24-7. Absolutely not. And so uh, I, just, I was like, okay, UMES it is. And um, it actually worked out because I also was looking at doing something with environmental science and they had a good environmental science program. And I'm very thankful that I went to UMES just because it was far enough away for me to have some type of autonomy. And I really appreciate the coursework. I felt like I learned a lot. And um, and it still serves me to this day. And I also like the fact that it was really small at the time. So I didn't feel lost in the sauce. But, yeah, I really wasn't trying to stay in Maryland.
1: Uh, so that's how I ended up at me.
0: Janice, how about you?
1: Um, there were two factors when I was like deciding for uh, colleges. What's out of New York State and what is an HBCU? I was, you know, one of those, I watched A Different World. I was like, ah, that's what I want. That's what I need. When I was in high school, you know, I was undergoing the silent trauma of being one of a handful uh, in a predominantly uh, white school. And so I was like, I need to reconnect. And so I think in the year, so I started UMES in oh one In 2000, my family had had a family reunion and we had our reception on campus. At the time, my grandmother had just moved down to Princess Anne, and then I had my great aunt was living in um, Westover. So it was kind of like I had been down to the area before, but I had never been on the campus until we had that family reunion thing. So that's when I really started thinking about UMES as a spot to go, because it allowed me to do the two things. I can get out of New York State, but still like, you know, my grandmother's right down like 10 minutes down the road, right? And then also it was an HBCU. Just like mommy said, like I love the fact that it was not a huge sprawling school. That would have been too much for me. It was the right size. I could go out. I see people that I know. I know where everything is. It was just a good match for me. Um, and look at me now, back living in Maryland. Like so, <laughs> shout out to this experience for real.
0: Mark, how about you? What led to you going to Yomi? I don't think we ever talked about that.
2: There are multiple factors. Um, so I, I don't want to be crass, but There's really not any other way to put it. The most predominant factor why I went to UMES is because they offered me a full scholarship. (laughs) I followed that damn money, to be frank, you know, and that was a huge factor. I lived on the shore. I applied to three or four different colleges. I was pursuing physics at the time, um, which is what I would ultimately end up with. But I was also willing to jump to math, possibly. I applied to a few colleges. UMES basically called me up and was like, can you come down and take a tour of the place and meet some people? And I'm like, okay. So I took a day off school with mom and dad. First of all, I thought the campus was beautiful. Very pretty campus. Um, The people were just so very, very nice. And we actually, our family knew some of them. We knew Mignon Anderson, Miss Anderson in the English department. We knew her before then, and we knew a few other people. Um, I still talk to Mignon, you know, on a regular basis. Um, And so it did feel like there was a connection there. But, you know, it kind of sealed it when, you know, they're like, all right, we'll give you a full ride. And I'm like, you got me. When do I start? The thing is, though, is that um, there was a few times where, you know, when that news got out, when I got some very um, nasty responses to it from people I went to school with and people I knew. You're going to the what school? And I'm like, you know, again, it was kind of a bit of a, like a shock to me. I never really, of course, seen that firsthand. And then it was like, wow, you know, I never knew that people had such had so many just, you know, such a dichotomy towards UMES. But, you know, it's like, as I said, you know, I always was like, it seems like that the programs there are wonderful. It seems like they got good people there. When I got there, it was like, okay, I'm going to then probably transfer after a few years to finish my degree at College Park. College Park would not take any of my credits. They literally were not would not take any of my credits towards my physics degree. And because of that, if I wanted to transfer like the original plan was, I would have had to start over as a freshman. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. So Cliff Notes version that ended up, you know, changing over that I spent my final year at Salisbury University, which I originally actually didn't want to go to because I actually didn't like it too much there. But it was either that or I was going to be starting back as a freshman at some point. So I ended up spending three years at UMES and one year at Salisbury U. But, you know, I kind of look back and it's like I and Earl's and some of you have heard these stories before. I liked the professors and I liked the people I was in class with a lot more at UMES than I did at Salisbury U. And it's just, you know, I think that In general, it just, you know, for all of the various issues we've all talked about that UMES and any college might have, I was in general just enjoyed my experience there more. But, yeah, the simple reason is basically because, yeah, they said, here's a scholarship. Come on down.
3: How about you, Christina? So I had no intention on going to UMES. I had my heart set on University of Pittsburgh. I had been to the campus. Um, I had gotten a scholarship. It wasn't gonna cover everything, but I didn't care. Um, and then my father was like, pump your brakes shorty, you are not going, nine hours away. And I was like, okay. So they had a college fair my senior year. There was a rep there from UMS, And he was like, oh, you got really good grades. You know, we might be able to get you a scholarship. And that's all my father needed to hear. That man called every day until <laughs> I got accepted and I kept telling myself, I am not going. I don't know why you keep doing this because I'm not going. Um, and that was probably like at the end of February, beginning of March. My grandmother passed away on March 7th, 2005. On March 15th, 2005, I got a letter saying that I had received a scholarship. And I think her service was like either the day before or the day after. I said, well, dang, nabbit. I guess she tried to tell me something. And then my father was like, and you going and you going to like it. I tried to transfer after my freshman year. I tried to transfer to Rutgers. Like, I swear, like it was a really like crazy relationship between me and the shore because I tried so hard to get away from it, not realizing that it was exactly what I needed. So I guess my reasons for going were one, my father made me. (laughs) Two, I received a scholarship and three, I guess my grandma was setting me up because I I met all my friends there. I met my husband there. So, yep.
4: Hey, Earl, Uh, can I make one point? Because I want to kind of piggyback on something that that Mark said. Um, and, And it's something that's, I've only gone to one HBCU, but I've been around HBCUs from Morgan and Mumbai. I was the same way; there's no way in God's kingdom if I was going to Morgan. Um, also, because of me, my grandmother, and my dad worked there. So I didn't want to be in anybody's shadow because everybody knew my dad from working in physical plant. But also, it's Baltimore. I'm not staying in Baltimore. But I say that to say one thing about UMS, for all of its flaws, for all of the issues any one of us may have had, the people gave a damn about you. And we talking about from the registrar's office to the president's office, all the way down to the lunch ladies in line who are serving you. Everybody gave a damn about every single student. And it's something that I I will never forget there, just to sort of carry in a sort of family atmosphere that was there in general. Again, you're going to have exceptions. And not everybody's experience will be totally the same. But a general consensus I've had amongst my friends, you know, working with you guys over the years, everybody Gave a damn, You know, we're talking about Miss Anderson, who's probably the best of the best <laughs> that UMES has ever had to offer, at least in, in mm-hmm. my time. And even going down to that Rapscallion Jackie Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> I love me some doc. I talked to him the other day. But everybody cared. And they cared about you mm-hmm. being well-being. And they cared about not just you getting through school, but you also being successful because they understood what that meant for you.
0: Yeah, and uh, to piggyback off that, yeah, and me and Mark know that Marilyn Burkle, somebody who cared about every single one of her students in the English department, and of course, Dr. Jima, who was my professor, uh, which me and a few other UMS alums talked about it. We thought she did not like us at all, but she she really wanted us to do our best. And, you know, it's one of those things. You look at it as a teenager, late teens, early 20s, you think, man, they are riding us and this and that. As an adult, you see, well, most of the time, you see they wanted you to be your best, which is a big thing. So going to the HCAS tournament, how did you find out about it uh, uh, and what drew you to it?
4: Um, I guess at the time, since it was going through the English department, it was always a big push there. So I got my first taste of it as far as a publication through Ms. Anderson's class. And Ah, uh, she encouraged us to go out, especially since Jackie was doing it at the time. English department was always one hundred percent behind it. So, with the crew I was with at the time, freshman year, that I was really starting to bond with. We all were of that mindset, so we all went out. We we formed a team. We were the literally it was the name was the Boys with a Z, and I'm mad I remember that twenty five years later. <laughs> um, and you know we just really enjoyed it, and I forget how far we advanced. Of course, we were going against the shields, so. Uh, if anybody remembers Joe Shields, he was a monster, and especially for people just coming in, he you know tore everybody apart on every team he was on at that time. But we ended up uh, most of us making the at least the home squad, and then two of us made the traveling squad that year. Um, and then from there, as you guys know, I didn't leave until I was forced to. <laughs> How about you,
0: Mambi? How'd you find out about the uh, tournament, the pre-campus tournament and everything about that?
5: So I was in this uh, short-lived program called Jumpstart. Um, we came in the the summer before freshman year and they had us take like a math class and an English class and introduce us to the different departments so we could kind of get a leg up so we weren't totally fish out of water when we came, when we started our freshman year. And I remember Dr. Thomas coming in and Dr. Thomas is very confident. Uh, And I can admit now that I've gotten older, that I was very, um, it rubbed me the wrong way. I'm just going to be honest. And so I took it as a challenge to see if I could get on the team because he was very proud of his scholars program, very proud of the academic team and very much like, you know, you can't sit with us unless you're the best. And I was like, but I am so. <laughs> so I I um challenged myself to get to try and get on this team because Dr. Thomas was so confident in his in his folks in both of those groups. So it was very petty. I can admit that now. It was very, very petty. <laughs>
0: Janice, how about you?
1: Um, I don't have a spectacular story. I literally saw um flies on the wall. I knew by then that I liked trivia. They may have teased on the flyer that there's a uh, there was a trip to Florida, uh, that may have been in the advertisement, and so that probably was. Oh, I know it was back then. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I really just on happenstance, and um, you know, I tried to bring a couple of friends in, and it, it didn't quite work out. But I, I, you know, I stayed with it. But that's how I came upon it.
2: I blame Mignon Anderson as well. A note about Mignon, I was in her honors English class at the time and um, our family knew her before him because actually her mother um, was actually in the retirement facility that my mom ran for many years. Um, her mother is no longer with us, but um, that's how I knew Mignon before you know I came to UMES. And so um again, part of that connection there, And Mignon knew that I was in Quiz Bowl in high school. And so it was like, There's this team on campus. It's kind of like College Bowl, but it's sponsored by Honda. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now, where do they meet? And all that kind of thing. So she had to scour around and find details at that time, but she found it. And I got there and immediately I was like, okay, I can just pick up where I left off then, you know, it was a nice transition. And so, I mean, again, again, I, I, I blame a lot of the good experiences at UMES on Mignon. And that was one of them, thankfully, God bless her.
3: You're trying to make me remember something that was so long ago. <laughs> but I think somebody offered me extra credit nice. to go. I'm I'm almost positive somebody offered me extra credit. And I don't remember if it was Eldon or if it was Miss Doble. I cannot remember, but somebody offered me I extra did, credit. Yes. Yeah. You're I think it have was. You for lab? That's what
4: it was. I did offer extra credit. You're absolutely right. So yeah, that's what it was.
3: Eldon offered me extra credit, and I was in very much in danger of losing my scholarship. So I was like, let me get all over here and get me as many points as I can. I still lost that scholarship. But um, it was of no fault of Eldon's because he tried his best. So I, did, I did pass that lab, though. <laughs> so It's funny. My
0: story, I don't even remember. I was in Court Plaza. So everybody on my side, they were all honor students. I, I guess I, I saw it in the, uh, I guess, SSC. But, yeah, it's like I wanted to do this. Uh, it's interestingly enough, me and my roommate made the team at the time. Yes, Pat was my roommate. Uh, yeah. So we made the team at one point. And, yeah, it was interesting. I just I just kept getting in the rhythm. And I know we played a couple of games, I think, against Mumby, against you and Matt, during the tournament. And, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I, I felt like, man, this was at home. I was after getting snubbed in high school, I'm like, this has got to be the place. This has got to be the thing. And to me, it was perfect. It was like the beginning of a whole bunch of good stuff. Speaking of team dynamics and practices, a lot of us saw in the practices, it was it was a very unique thing. And I know we had some times where practices were contentious, very contentious, So, but it was a very fun atmosphere. And I felt like we grew from that. And just wanted to ask you guys, the practices i felt like sometimes we always sort of wondered what is this all going to do reading the same questions over and over and over and over thinking that okay what point are these questions from like 1990 going to do for
2: us but you never knew when one of those 1990 questions might come back up that's one thing
4: (laughs) that's true i'll say for me especially since i have i I guess such a a bunch of different experiences with with practices. i guess i'll comment on uh maybe my last couple of years being coaching and being in grad school and trying to get the hell out of Dodge, especially like my last semester, those practices and just being with you guys, y'all kept me alive. <laughs> and, and I mean that from a context of, I was going through much personally, professionally, but even just, I was going like my last semester before I graduated, I, I finally trying a way out of grad school. Uh, my grandfather just died mm-hmm. Um my relationship at the time, who I thought was marrying, was falling apart, and then I'm traveling back and forth to DC for an internship three days a week. I was running on fumes, but those two days a week I was in practice, even though I was teaching. On like I loved it. I lived for it. And you guys gave me so much energy uh, with the hunger. That you guys display and even with you guys bringing in newer folks and seeing that they're like i i love that and i got so much energy off of that so from that part like i'll comment that but in general practices are always strange especially with the motley crew that we had kind of coming in and out of you know we had the, the standing squad you know the six or seven that you knew were definitely like going to make the team and just matter which of those five were actually traveling you know, sometimes what well, we had like 15, 16 people at practice, and we going back and forth when we eating snacks and and drinking and well, not drinking, drinking, but you know what I
5: mean. Like, no, no, no. Like, you know, what? We just did it.
4: Drinking <laughs> happened in Orlando. I didn't, I didn't drink in, in in practice, but um, yeah, it was it was so amazing. Not just as far as the, the people. That we saw. But when you see certain people get in grooves, you find what subject somebody really excels in for the first time and you see their light bulb go off in their head like, oh, for me, especially the coaching side, when I saw someone who's like, I can do this, I can get this when they got really comfortable. Like for me, like that was amazing as a player. It was always about. At that time, I'm going after the Shields. That's who I wanted to be. That, that's what I wanted to take down that, that was it every practice and that's partially Jackie's fault because that's how we always framed it the shields and everybody against the shields so that's all it was about, but it made us better. it made me better and you know I never was an all star but by the time I left playing, everybody knew who I was and they were afraid of you and me us and then Matt and Earl and the rest of y'all came along too so it Whatever it was, it worked, but that's what it was all about for me. It was about, at that time, getting the shields, being the best that I could, and as I transitioned, it was about making you guys the best you can be.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to leave a note that Matt said when I had interviewed him before. He was talking about, you know, he had a a time where someone he went to high school with ended up committing suicide, and Dr. Thomas had to get him out of the dumps because he was just not there mentally. And it was that one thing, that one thing I'll say that Dr. Thomas could do, he can motivate you. There's so many ones that Dr. Thomas will say. There's one like, don't let somebody come in your house, <laughs> smack your mama. And <laughs> that's the one. I, you know, if we had a rough game or if we, our practice was so weird or things like that, or, you know, Matt flew off the handle at Pat, uh, you know, <laughs> one of thing. things. That that, <laughs> that, 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 um, that there were Jackie-isms. Jackieisms, they were Jackieisms, yeah, <laughs> and and they would come in handy when you least expect it, and then all of a sudden everybody's mind was right, and then all of a sudden got focused. It was like That's I don't know, it was like a placebo effect or something like that. But as soon as he says something to you, all of a sudden you just got zoned in, you got focused and even if it wasn't practice, even if we were just playing against each other, the same groups, they kept mixing teams up, putting together, you know, people that had personalities that clashed. It's just those things. Uh, I didn't want to, I didn't want to hijack that, but I just want, I was just thinking about that as soon as Elton said that, when he's talking about you had to play against Andre and that was the person you guys had to aspire to be.
5: Yeah. It's so funny you say that. Cause I remember senior year, actively trying to find excuses to get out of practice. Um, Matt took his role as being captain very seriously. And I just remember thinking to myself, like, this is my senior year. I'm really trying to be out in these streets. And Matt was just like, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. And (laughs) And I felt like I bumped heads with Matt so often, but it really was for the best. And I think that Matt and you, Elden, you had a vision for the team. And especially that last year, I think at one point in time, I didn't realize how close we were until we actually did it. And so, but yeah, I had a hate, hate, love relationship with practice. Always try to dodge it. I think I may have even killed an, a non existent aunt to get out of it <laughs> at some point in time. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was for the best. It was for the best
1: now for the yeah. for the most part, I enjoyed practice. There were times I was like, "All right, let's wrap this up, y'all but uh one thing I really, really enjoyed that I appreciated from Dr. Thomas is he used to talk to us about like um having arrogance and being confident, and I remember feeling like so like just- like that was the thing that kind of like really propelled me through a lot of like our matches and things like that. We would have, like, our little rituals that we would do to set ourselves up, like, right before we began. Like, it allowed us to have, like, a calm. And even, like, I think back to, like, um, being down at, like, the national tournament and, like, watching teams play. And, like, if a call was made that they didn't like and how they get all wrapped up, that wasn't us. That wasn't our team. It's like, listen, you know, listen, we got to keep our head in the game, all that other stuff. It felt so good to, to be able to think, Eldon, Dr. Thomas got it. Whatever that issue is, they're going to take care of it. We don't have to work. We just got to focus on the task at hand. It was just so great again to feel like it was a partnership. Yeah. Like it was a, it was a relationship it Was you know, platonic, of course, but like it, we had a relationship as a team um, rather than just being a group of people who were together at the same time.
0: Yeah, write it down and, and give it to Eldon or Dr. Thomas at yeah. the half, yeah, and then yeah. that's why you're protesting. That I mean, <laughs> we remember one game, I think it was North Carolina a uh, and I think, somebody during the middle got the question wrong and just like blurted out, protest, protest. In the middle of the game, this is a playoff game, and we had yeah. started out. We were in the negatives. I think we were like negative 15 at one point because we were just so trigger happy. Instead of being gun shy. and they had like a, I think it was like fifty to negative fifteen, and we turned it around and beat them like three hundred to like one one fifteen or something like that, just because they were flustered and we were just calm. And it's the weirdest thing because you're in zen mode, and you know you think like, like samurai, the most zen person is the most dangerous one sometimes because you're locked in, you're focused, you're not letting anything distract you. You made me think about if we had something to protest, we would just write it down. We know we had it on that notepad. Write it down. And give it to Dr. Thomas or Eldon, and and they'll take care of it.
2: I was just going to say, you know, unfortunately, I never was there when Dr. Thomas was coach. You know, I was there the year after uh, Eldon. You had, I think just taken over full time. You all referenced Dr. Thomas more times than I can count, and <laughs> almost I almost felt like I knew him. You know, and so it was just one of those things where it's like, obviously, I was like, okay, this guy was very heavily influenced on the team. But the two things that struck me, number one, I never got that feeling of contentiousness. So when you used that term earlier, Earl, I was kind of like, really, of all the terms I use, contentious, you know, practices was not one of them. The year before like, it was. The year before was it was. Say, I, I was going to joke and say, maybe I'll blame you all. that, or Since Matt's not here, I'll blame Matt for that, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I, I, I
5: think, think you should. To, no, I'm
2: just joking.
4: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you the, the Matt blowing up the Pat. Yeah, yeah. Man.
2: Well, and not trying to throw anybody under the bus, but you know, there were certain um, relationships which were still interesting. You know, when I was there, um, and, and as you say, class of personalities. But I really did appreciate again that sense of calm, like you were talking about. You know, it's like if you protest something, it's something wrong, and haven't had my fair share of protests during the time, it was almost like I didn't feel compelled by somebody to raise my hand and shake my fist and like, fix this, damn it. You know, I know I'm right. You know, it was, that was very, that was a very nice change of pace and kind of what i had always been used to. Not to say that my prior quiz bowl experiences were like that, but that was always kind of what I saw is that if, every time another team, you know, they thought that they were right. It was usually just some, you know, you know, massive like incident that they'd be, someone would be yelling and screaming about it. And it was kind of like, why are you going to do that? And ultimately, you know, I saw the results very easily is that by us keeping our cool, by letting things go and then, you know, when the time comes, then addressing it, it tended to go much better for us in the long run. It, you know, and the teams that tended to react more sourly, it didn't usually tend to go as well for them over time. And so that was, as, at that age, a very important lesson for me, I think, just to visually actually see that. And so which I thought was very, very wise, you know, by, you know, the leadership and, you know, by Dr. Thomas, everybody to take that approach. And so that was just, again, one of those memories that it was like there was great wisdom on the team. And so I did appreciate that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with Mark. Our practices weren't contentious. Um, I think it was a lot of trying to because Janice was my captain, my first year. And so it was a lot of just trying to get us to stop being childish and actually like focus and pay attention. And then I think by the time my sophomore year came around, I was a resident assistant. So, you know, it wasn't physical, um, sport, but trying to balance doing practice with, which was basically like a job plus class. Like I, I didn't realize at the time, you know, that that was definitely a good lesson in trying to find that balance of everything and then still have time to study for Quiz Bowl and then study the other stuff I was supposed to be studying and perhaps somewhere in there have a little bit of a social life. So, but no, the practices weren't contentious. Um, They were actually fun. I looked forward to going there because, you know, everything else was just kind of corny when you compared to that
2: I legitimately uh, enjoyed all of the time, you know, all the practices, you know, everybody, truly. So just another reason to blame Matt, right? Don't mm-hmm. <laughs> <Hello. laughs> on one of the bus since he's not here. Uh, uh, I
5: uh, say, like, I think we have practices like five times a week or something crazy like that. And I think at one point in time, we also had weekend practices. Am I
0: once we like started that, getting to like March, 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 March once we got yeah, in yeah. spring semester February I think after February and after we had the campus the tournaments that we the travel tournaments yeah that, oh my gosh yeah, it, was it was three like, times a week yeah. plus um, Saturdays
5: and I was just like um so y'all like you do know we go to school like what's what,
0: <laughs> and what, oh four? I'm doing radio. I had just stopped doing dramas because basically I don't even know how I graduated. I, I honestly don't know how I graduated. After practice, go to the Hawk's Nest, grab a cheesesteak, go to the radio station, stay there till midnight, come back, probably go over to the clusters to Matt and Steve's, and then maybe walk back at two o'clock. Go to bed, wake up, because that doctor came in so at eight o'clock. So I had to wake up like seven thirty to get back and do this all over again. Uh, and that was my weird pattern because again, a life of an English major was never easy.
3: Shout out to the Hawk's nest, by the way.
5: Yes. I, yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, like, I just felt like it needed to be said.
0: Yes.
5: Good call. Good call. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: I still won't
0: eat chicken cheesesteaks. It's an abomination. Chicken cheesesteaks are an abomination. I will not do it. I will not do it. It's beef or well, GFOH. It's different now. It's not even like
2: the same like Hawks Nest anymore. You know, when I, when I started teaching physics there, they had just recently finished a remodel there. I walked in one time and was like, what is this place? It looks totally different. Oh, I mean, I don't know if the food's any different, Must be honest, but it looked different. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's still there.
3: Oh, it's not. It's definitely not what we had. It's very yeah.
0: sad. I like a Chick fil A or something in there now or, or Chick-fil-A, something.
5: Chick fil A, which had a lot of people in it. There was a Starbucks and there was something
2: else. <laughs> wow.
1: It was the oasis for me. I thought that was fine dining.
4: Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Especially on Soul Food
5: Thursdays. Was yes. it Soul Food Thursdays?
4: <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. Those oxtails.
0: Oh, oh man. God. We'd have to get Dr. Thomas's tray, his plate. Me and Matt go up there on Thursday and get that. And then we'd end up getting a plate, too, just because, you know, Dr. Thomas. Oh, I didn't hear about that. Dr. Thomas had his own plate. Oh, no. We'd go grab his food for his lunch after he was interim president. I always say this. He was sort of banished back to the English department, thanks to good old Thelma. So, yeah, because we'd end up getting his lunch. We'd walk from Wilson to to the SFC, upstairs to the Oasis. It was like, it really was like a country club. You felt like you you had to be, you had to know somebody to get in there.
1: Yes. Pinky out, right? just be tracing in like, (laughs) who's in you? You feel weird like you shouldn't even be in there? The youngest one in the room, like.
0: (laughs) It's like you go to a place where you feel like you don't belong and everybody's looking at you. I mean, yeah. We all had that experience it just the the roles reverse sometimes. <laughs> um <laughs> Going back to the tournaments that we played against teams, we go to North Carolina or we'd have them on campus. Those are the opportunities that we actually got a chance to show what we could really do against real competition because we were playing against each other all the time. You know, eventually it's like, okay, let's see how it goes if we're playing somebody like Morgan or we're playing somebody like Delaware State or we're playing somebody like Bowie or, uh, or Hampton or, uh, you know, the people in our region, those times that we went. I, I think it was a unique experience learning from that. Go ahead, okay, you
5: know, um, that tournament was interesting I was actually um, that was a tournament where I realized that we could actually make it uh, the other thing I also remember about that tournament was the fight at the party Jim, uh, <laughs> I actually was telling somebody about it the other day and I remember Janice running and I just remember <laughs> this guy going run like Ooh, good times like I should have known it was going to be a problem when I saw a metal detector at the door but you know whatever <laughs> Um, (laughs) We're going for the Poe folks, though.
2: Yes. (laughs) I was going to say Poe folks, and no one else did. Yes.
0: Yeah. Poe folks. Oh, my gosh. I I mean, I didn't go to that party. I heard. I think you guys told us about it after it happened, like, the next day. Because I I was probably in the hotel room, probably knowing Matt. He was probably in the hotel room. He was probably studying. (laughs) Didn't want to deal with the
1: folks. So I could see that. They knew what they were doing, because they were playing music that was bound to get stuff started.
0: Anything at a tall gym party, all you got to do is place some stuff where the vaults are shoving. That's it. Gets shut down after 15 minutes. Indeed. Indeed. That was my first and last Tall's party. I, I felt like I, I wasn't about that life. Mm. At 18, I knew I wasn't about that life. I just, I am this. Yeah, I went
4: to one. I was not a fan either. <laughs> yeah, you grow out of them fast. I think for me with the uh, think- regionals, you know, we didn't have regionals like what um what we were able to really start um when a lot of you guys came in and, and matured through the system when I started and that was really because well one of the things that happened was we as far as like us, Morgan, UDC, like all the local teams, we realized that's what they was doing down south. That's how the down south, the AMs, the morehouses, they were battling against each other in these little tournaments all the time and they had the regionals before they switched to the national tournaments was we, we all went through, but it still was like a kind of like what they're doing now. They're using the regional tournaments to actually like have the teams go to the national tournament instead of they were more or less prep and practice. Uh, but some of my best times was get or favorite times was getting on the road, going to Morgan going to UDC and playing those few times we went to Bowie, at least when I was a player, was just, you know, those awesome. And then when the regional tournament started to happen, that for me was just when it was like that light bulb moment of like, we can do this, Um, not just from a, a, a player perspective, but from a transfer to a coach and to see the sort of competition that you really get from having everyone here and having this sort of regional or this mini national tournament, it was it was amazing. Not just for y- you guys, but just in general. And seeing how things have gone the past couple of years, and we, like the DMV area, you guys being a part of, it, we set a lot of groundwork for how things are now with Morgan winning a couple years ago and just like A&T, you know, we are all part of that same cohort as far as really getting together to train and to really become better. And a lot of that groundwork for what programs are doing now happened then. So we really saw how this sort of competition really makes us better in the nationals. And we, we saw that every year. I mean, realistically, um, what, my first year was 97. I think at least from the time I graduated, UMEs had only not made the Sweet 16 once. At that point in time, and that's with being a player and a coach. And I know it, you know still had a good tradition after I left as well. And even you saw other teams who hadn't made it to the playoffs because of the sort of competition that we brought to the table, and we specifically UMEs. They stacked their games up. I mean, look how Bowie progressed over the years. Morgan and us, I wouldn't say we were rivals, but because of the relationship before Dr. McKinney passed away that we had collectively, we always bounced off each other. And I think that was always there with Morgan, even after she passed away and they, they changed to the new coach and everything. But It was definitely something that I think really allowed us to step our game up, UMES specifically, because, you know, once I came in, we started to find a formula. I mean, we weren't slouches, but nobody was afraid of us after they became afraid of us. My last year, and I think this was, um, this was 01, so... Ah, uh, Matt was on the team with me, and I remember distinctly I was at Jackson State for a a conference uh, that year, and I was talking to Iran. Um, I think was name. Um, he was on Jackson State team, and we was in the same room, and a light bulb dawned on me because he took me, showed me their practice him, he told me all the stuff like the school would giving them one. I'm like, yo, you and me, us ain't give us crap. Like we gotta borrow space. <laughs> but secondly, the fact that like he's looking at the lineup, he's like. Yeah, it's you and us coming out of the room, just who's going to be number one. That's all it is. Like, people knew when they saw UMES in their room, they were afraid. They're like, how are we going to beat UMES? And that, for me, those regional tournaments were, did it. And that consistent battling against other teams. That, that made us into a powerhouse in HCAS, where it ultimately translated into you guys getting to the national championships. That's what those things did for us.
0: How about you, Mumbi? What do you think about the, those tournaments, especially just being able to get in there and just, we, we always mix it up in practice. It's just like seeing different people, I think might've led us to a different mindset sometimes.
5: Yeah, I definitely agree. I had totally forgotten about the scrimmages that we would have with UDC um, and Morgan. Um, those were really important in helping us really to understand where our weaknesses were and where our strengths were as a team. Um, I think a lot of times during practice, especially since it was usually the same folks just jumbled together, it was one of those things that we could kind of, we knew each other's weaknesses and we knew each other's strengths, but actually working as a team and being like, okay, so this is as a team, what we need to work on when we go up against other teams. So I thought they were really important and it was a nice way to get to know other people and hear how they're practicing and just connect. I really enjoyed them.
1: Yeah, um, there's not much uh, I can add that hasn't already been said. Those practices were, in a lot of ways, what propelled us to being able to perform so well uh, once it came to national competition. Just being able to, you know, it's all well and good to play amongst ourselves. We know who knows what. But once you start to get with other teams and now you can't rely on, OK, well, I can wait to hear the whole question because I know nobody else on the team knows this. Now we're working on anticipation. Now we're working on speed. And so it definitely gave us the opportunity to like really form ourselves before getting down to Florida.
2: Mark, I always loved those trips. You know, first of all, it was just nice to get a change of scenery, especially when you're working your butt off during the semester. I mean, that's always appreciated. go in there with people, again, we've talked about this before, who you have like this connection with, you know, it gave us a bonding experience, I think, during the course as we're going for a few days. The other thing too, again, speaking from someone who did it in middle and high school, you never got the chance to really scrimmage against other teams with Quiz Bowl, at least in my experience. So the idea of having a more kind of an athletic idea, like a scrimmage, with Quiz Bowl, to me, was really nice. Like not being an athlete, you know, in, in really any form. You know, I did various things, but just having that, it definitely heightened what we might call the more competitive nature of it. That more collegiate idea, and just the idea of you know, this is something that you practice, and that you know, kind of like a sport, you get better at, you train at, you work at, and you have to, you know, practice makes perfect in order to be able to get where you want. And so it just heightened the overall experience. And again, I always enjoyed it, minus the one time that my brand new Razor flip phone fell into a cup of coffee and got through it, which I think was 2006. I don't remember what year that was, but I, was, um, I didn't start off that trip to North Carolina well. But um, otherwise, I always enjoyed all the trips.
0: <laughs> Shouldn't be drinking that much coffee, barely as a 19-year-old. Christina, how about you?
3: It was definitely... Great to go to other HBCU campuses. And then, yeah, I think you kind of found like your tribe once you got there. So I know like with us in Morgan, we were always kind of like bonded together. Um, even when we go to nationals, it was always like we would find each other or like in UDC. Um, I think Sojourner Douglas when they still had a team like it was always like us against everybody else. Um, And so we were always rooting for each other. And I think like that, that helped a lot too. Um, And it did kind of feel like almost kind of yak-ish going. The only, I guess, area of improvement was, uh, I guess, my body was used to UMS food and whatever came with that. It was not used to anybody else's, um, so going on everybody else's campuses and whatever they did, did it was just like, nope. Let's just stick to the UMS way of.
2: People used to complain about Tina. You know, people used to remember. People used to always complain about the UMS food, and I don't remember who it was. Somebody in our group. We went to another college, and then they ate their food, and and I I didn't ever had a problem with UMS. And they're like, oh my god, that was me. It we was U-M- Morgan.
4: It was. It was <laughs> oh, <turn this laughs> I will never forget the first year, my plan, we went to Dell State. I will never forget how horrible that food was. Now, I never complain about UMES food, personally speaking, but that food at Dell <laughs> State was like, oh, we got it good at UMES. <laughs> mm-hmm. I,
0: I will tell you this I remember, I think it was my junior, sophomore year, sophomore, or junior year. We were hosting a tournament and somebody said from another HBCU said, wow, this food is great. And cause we always used to talk about sometimes people get, get the bubble guts at ass and all the other stuff. But someone said, man, this is great. Where we're at, we only get to go around the cafeteria one time. It was like, what? You're a grown adult, and you can't even go back to get seconds? Wow. I I don't remember what school it was, but to this day, I'm like, you're kidding me. You are a grown adult. You are going to a cafeteria where they have a cafeteria, several lines, and you guys are only allowed to go around and get one serving? That's crazy. I, I already know. My, my thing in the cafeteria, I'd get the hot dogs off the thing. I'd drink the flavored creamers. I'd drink them like they were like soda. And, and stay away pretty much from the fried rice. I wasn't a fan of those. But I'd hit up, I guess you guys know, I have a voracious appetite. So I'd hit up the sandwich bar. I'd hit up the grill. Mm-hmm. I'd hit up the other line. I'd hit up the other line before that. I, it didn't matter. I'd go as many times as you.
6: Yeah, you're it for
1: it. Some schools they just open up cans. UMES, I know they have recipes in the back. Some of those things they were making with recipes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Like especially don't don't let it be a night where they got the tickets. Ooh, the lobster. Boy. The lobster.
0: <laughs> Christmas time. Christmas time. The lobster. Yeah.
4: Yeah. What got me about UMES I know they were cooking and I don't they still did this by the time some of you guys came through. But when we had chitlins in the cafeteria, I'm sorry, I, I was raised when oh, <laughs> Southern oh, food. Great was, grandparents from North Carolina. But, a few times I didn't hang the calf. <laughs> well, I know they phase out to a certain point in time. I know, like my freshman and sophomore year, they definitely had chitlins in the calf, and I was like, "Yo, they cooking back there?" Because <laughs> you can't do that from scratch no. at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's from something, but it ain't scratch. Not scratch, scratch, I should say. Not
2: from scratch. But so Cisco, yeah, I think is the new provider. And I've heard many times how much the food's going.
0: Which is surprising because Cisco is normally good. It's normally how you cook it.
2: Um, well, I think literally, yes, because they're not doing it from recipes. You know, it's, you know, that all, I don't want to say pre-packaged, but yeah. So it's a shame. But um, I didn't want to say something. You know, when Tina was talking and she mentioned to Jordan Douglas, Earl Janice, I saw you had a certain reaction. I was wondering if you were reading my mind. <laughs> I think you were. <laughs> I bet you was too.
0: Sir Jonah Douglas. Oh, man. I can say they tried. That's all I can say is they tried. <laughs> that's that's, that's I, all you need to say. <laughs> that led to a moment seeing Sir Jonah Douglas getting destroyed by Hampton on questions they already knew oh. that we had played during a campus tournament. That's yeah. what led to, as Matt would call the dishonorable baller incident, because they knew and they were just whooping on Sir Jordan Douglas. It was like 500 to like 10, it and bad. it was bad. So, again, us being the host, Mr. Whitaker had his weird array of questions that he had. It was like, I, I think I still have them in my car somewhere. All the questions that he had, just random stuff that weren't even. They weren't even that official. They were just a whole bunch like lined up on computer paper, and because and we played those bizarre questions before because some of them were obscene, obscene and and ridiculous, <laughs> and because we knew that we were talking because uh, Hampton was running their mouth, we talked trash to them. We, as I call it, Roddy Piper them because just what they thought they knew all the answers. We changed the questions, and we and we smoked them, and and I think about that, and yeah, it's just like. The Simpsons meaning, where it's like, stop, he's already dead. That's what they were doing to Sir John Douglas. Yes, it, it was that bad, and I just the dead horse. Oh boy,
2: and it just as soon as you said Sir John Douglas, mm. but that was one of those other things when we would go to the scrimmages. That's just so shocked me because I was like, you know, again, I would go there, and like there, a lot of the teams, a lot of the people just didn't even know the basic rules at the time, and I was like. Yeah, like how do you not know, know how to play the game? And it kind of put me in this perspective of like, I guess these people don't practice. You know how lucky we are. <laughs> you know, I guess. You know, that no. was one of those things. Like, dang, we're kind of our team's pretty good. Comparison. There were some just the trip. Yeah, yes, There yes. were some teams. Definitely, that,
5: <laughs> they were just like, you go a- where, when. Where? Say
2: right. that <laughs> right. It was just, a, like you said, a very different perspective. We are in it for very different reasons than they were.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely uh, there for the trip. Speaking of the trip, once we got to Orlando, that's always a unique experience. And there's so many things. It's like once you get there, it is more than you can imagine. And I, I mean, we've all seen everybody who's went there, seen the expo. The best way to describe it for people who are listening to this and who've never been involved in HCASC. The Expo, it's like a whole, basically, showroom area. If there was like a convention center, the convention center was full of different things. Honda cars, all the food, the snacks, video games, probably so much other stuff. I only cared about the food and the video games, but... Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there was just so much of it. I mean, go to you guys, talk about what you thought when you first saw the Expo and what that whole scene was like, especially getting down to Orlando.
5: I mean, the only thing I can think of in terms of the Expos, I remember... I remember there was a year where they had premiered the Asimo and we didn't know where we were going. And I remember you, Earl, were like, yeah, we're going to go build Asimos.
6: (laughs) I was hoping so. I was hoping so. I was hoping so. I was
5: like, yeah, that sounds legit. That sounds legit. But yeah, it was, the extras were, and they always topped what they had done the previous year, which I thought was always so amazing, even with the surprise musical guests or you know, trips that we did, I thought that was really cool. And the only other thing I remember is like, we saw the element and the pilot before they were actual, we saw the mock-ups before they actually had built the car. So that was pretty cool, which could also be dating me, but yeah, but yeah, (laughs) that was really cool about the EXO's.
1: No, I I love the expos. Of course, the trip, right? It was always a. We always went the best time of the year. Like the weather was, it was hot, but it was it was just great to be out of the dreariness and the weird transition from like winter into spring. I remember thinking like, yo, is this how athletes get treated? Because it was like the first time to like, I'm feeling like wine and dine. Like it, like literally, like just think, just out, just have have what you want. You want a snack? Go ahead, have it. Bring it like bags of things. And just the fact that it was just like a space for us to just enjoy ourselves. Like, yes, you're going to play some tournaments and things like that, but like have fun, have fun. And like I, I, we were in college, but I felt like a little kid. It really was like that level of fun being able to like go to downtown Disney. They really treated us well. They really, really did. And they really um put, I think, a lot of energy and care into making it a high level Competition the same way I see athletic competitions get that same amount of like investment in things and it's nothing like it.
4: Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I would just pick it back up, Janice. They really made it high level. You you felt respected mm-hmm. as a competitor with the level of detail they put into the expo and how pretty much anything we wanted was right there. And one of the it is where one of the worst expos because it was in DC and you live in the area, DC, in the hotel where it wasn't the same as Walt Disney Hilton, but they put in so much effort to give us everything we possibly could want in that much limited space than what they had in Orlando. But outside of the games, the contests, the video games, uh, it was the camaraderie uh, and the fact that it gave us a common space to bond with amongst all the teams and, and, you know, going back to the kind of initial comments for his friends for life, that part of the expo for me is probably the most impactful. Like I remember, you know, the cars, I remember what Spinderella one year, Ricky Smiley another year. Like I remember those, but I remember more so being up late playing cards with people who I never would have met any other time or I guess that time, what I remember distinctly, and this is the DC when This is '99. I remember Corey Mann from Morgan coming in, and this is like right after the Star Wars trailer for Episode One came out, and we geeking out over that. But also, it was a I think Lennox Lewis Holyfield fight or something. Like I remember those things distinctly because of that that bond and that camaraderie I shared with so many different people. Like that's for me what I remember most about the expos. Um, not so much the glitz and the glamour, which were amazing. But just the the level of interaction you were able to have at the expo and also the forced interaction as well with a lot of the competitions. I remember there was a scavenger hunt one year um, that I went. And so I'm like going on a team with somebody from A&T who I never met and somebody from another team. And it was like they did things to really force us to really bond and to get to know each other and to make connections. And I, I really love that part about Honda and the expos specifically were a huge part of that. I'm trying to remember something, and maybe you guys can remind me.
2: First of all, yeah, echoing everybody. The expo was amazing, wonderful. Food was, for the whole thing, was great. I'm a big person, I like warm weather. So Florida, big thumbs up. (laughs) You know, I was, we took our morning walks, Eldon. We always went on the morning walks. And that was always to me, like number one, it woke me up, because I'm not a morning person. So first of all, going out nice, fresh Florida air did help. But that was always nice, clear the air. But as you said, there was a level of camaraderie. I met some other people from other teams who I'm still friends with. The one that immediately comes to mind is Jeremy Nelson, who back at, who I met through Honda in the expo, just the various events there. I seem to recall, though, there was a couple of events. You talked about Star Wars. Something happened, I want to say, in 2005 there was something happened that I'm trying to remember what it was.
0: The Pope died. I remember that, that day. It
2: pope, Pope-a-thon.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> this is what happened because it's weird. Because I remember we didn't make the tournament. One of my friends called... From down on campus, saying that her boyfriend broke up with her. Mark was sitting in the room. I remember the Pope died and Frank Perdue died as well that day. Uh, yeah, around um, that weekend because I remember that whole weekend. See, this is the crazy stuff that that gets stuck in my head. So this is why we're perfect for HCAS. But yeah, the crazy that all that crazy stuff that occurred, and and I remember I kept going back and forth for the uh, strip steak that they had in the yeah. at the yes. ceremony yes. dinner. <laughs> but um. Yeah, it, it was just crazy, just that whole thing. Yeah, sometimes there's stuff that happens around the time that sort of used that and archive that as the moment. Okay, oh, that happened, but we were HCast when it ha- happened. So it's like, it's crazy when you think about it. And the walks, that was, I know that was definitely a Dr. Thomas thing that we had started, we had been doing with Dr. Thomas. We'd get up, I don't know if we did breakfast first or we did the walk first then breakfast, but uh, I guess it depends on what time our first game was. We'd, yeah. we'd walk go, I think then we get breakfast and then we go in the room, get situated at our spots and depending on if we had like the 8.30 game or the 9 game or something like that, we do that and just get into our our pattern, our rhythm and just sort of our I guess creature of habit mode once we got into the tournament room.
1: You know, something random I used to really love you remember they used to put out like the newsletters throughout the day, like on like updates on like who, what team. it, it I just remember the excitement about that, and like they have they would have the TVs, just, uh, just a lot, the, lot of
6: love.
1: TVs. Yeah, The <laughs> detail. Like they had the um like the the pins and stuff like that. Like uh, it was just a lot of things I wish I had the wherewithal to like appreciate then, because I would have been really like heavily collecting stuff. But they really put a lot into it.
0: You know, it's funny. I always think about the one thing when we were playing, that it was before the era of YouTube, because if we knew, and especially it was like in that window, it was not on TV anymore. YouTube wasn't even a thing yet. So we were in that era where if we did stuff, there was nobody videotaping it. There was nothing. There is no way we'll ever get back that 4 tournament. It's funny because I thought about that because... Somebody, I think, Elvin, you had a camera and you were videotaping some of the stuff. And I remember we did this video. Okay, it was the Saturday of the start of the Sweet 16 of 04. And me and Matt were in our hotel room. We were just talking and we just did this mock-up rundown. Okay, this is what happened. We need this to happen and this happened. And we went through this whole thing. We were talking about, oh, this team wins this team wins. And we get in, we get this seed. Because I think it was like a yeah, close to a three-way tie in our room. Because I think there were a couple six and ones. And we were depending on, I guess, points and whether we would be a higher seed or we'd end up being one of the the bottom eight and end up having to face one of the tougher seeds. And and I don't remember. And I remember the video distinctly. And Matt's asking me anything else you want to add, Mr. Holland. And he's like, war is hell. And that was it, because I remember because we went through the whole scenario of we needed this team to lose. We needed to get this. So we'd end up being the top eight so we would just have the buy and we wouldn't end up having to run into more house or or anything like that as well but i think about i wish we had the, the fortune of having those things documented like now everybody else has had since the creation of youtube so yeah that was my one moment but anybody wants to add to that because i just sort of went off on the tangent there
1: here's a random so all right, remember the show college hill Mm-hmm. wasn't it one time uh there was the we i remember one time we went to a tournament it may have been i don't think it was regional it had to have been a national and it was uh i remember seeing uh the guy one of the guys from one of the seasons and he would um he had like the gemstones in like a he would keep them in like a pouch
3: mm-hmm. on and
1: there was always something random happening at uh each thing and i but i just remember seeing him he was like Kinda out there, but he was early because now everybody's all about you know like their tarot, their calendar, and all that other stuff. But at the time, nah, he was he was out there. <laughs> but um, uh, I think he went to um Southern U. I think he was doing Southern dude U. Do
0: with the dreadlocks that didn't use regular deodorant. Who didn't you who, who used natural deodorant? Oh, I remember. Oh, I can't think of his name. Early.
1: I remember.
0: I know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Because we saw everybody was surrounding him like he was a he was a movie star.
2: <laughs> I heard this story. Oh,
0: oh my god! Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I can't think of his name because he. I, I think I wish I had my H cast newspaper thing and I would remember. Th- I can't think of his name. It's gonna bother me and, and watch. I, I'll think about it later on. But yeah, it is. I can't think of his name. But yeah, I know you were talking about Janice. I, I think about the dreadlocks and everything. He sort of had like a weird way he talked to. It's like sort of like if how Quinn was sort of talk. You know how Quinn talks. I uh, was sort of a. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, sort of a lower, a lower register, sort of yeah. lower. Yeah, sort of, He talked like that. I, I can't think of anything. Speaking of the competition, I know we're talking about this. I know there had to be teams that you wanted to see. You wanted to. We had our share of teams that we were looking to either exact revenge or just wanted to put a little uh I guess fear in some teams sometimes how about you Alvin
4: uh you know I only really remember two teams that I I really like when we found that they were in our room we wanted to get them that was Jackson State because Jackson State had been beasting, and when we got them in our room we felt like we had something to prove and then I go back to uh the 99 in D.C. and going kind of you know a lot of guy you guys touched on like being able to be calm and not worry about anything as far as a protest. Well, Alabama State was in our room that year, and I forget they did really it done really well the year before, and they were beasting people that year in our room, and we knew it was either going to be them or us coming out. We knocked them out of the playoffs. That's what ended up happening. So we had a thing because we wanted to get them because they were they were assholes. <laughs> I'll put it like that. They were assholes. And then there was a we were playing and I remember I don't remember the question, but they got a toss up and they buzzed in and the coach from the audience is like you say it. And, and our heads, we like, what just happened? So we protested. So they I think they lost the toss up and the associated bonus that went with it, but they lost. They ended up not making in the playoffs. And let me tell you, um, there's nothing like making a grown man cry and not put, <laughs> laying your hands on him. And dude was big, too. And it was like we and me, the Shields, uh, Nick Gabby was on that team that time. And we're walking and we see them. And I just remember Doc Thomas saying, would you ever, ever, ever let them see you cry? <laughs> so I You're
2: never crazy. heard this story. So the person buzzed in and the coach, you know, they didn't say anything. The coach was like
4: you know, trying to get the answer out or something? Yes, he verbally said, you say it and pointed to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> what the hell? That goes back to that tension, you know, that the contention in the room, like that's how it was a back and forth game, the whole game. And much like you guys said, <clears throat> you know, that protest happens, they take it up, we get it, the whole tide of the game changed. We whipped their ass. And mm-hmm. so that was one. And then Jackson State, because That was probably, for me, I had something to prove, being that was my literally my first and only year of being captain. And also, I wasn't prepared to be captain because I think I was alluding to Earl a little bit. Like, they changed the eligibility rules. Like, that last year I played, it used to be like NCAA, four years undergrad, two years of grad. And then all of a sudden it was, oh, no, you got four years because the Shields was supposed to play his last year that year. And I was supposed to sit out or I was supposed to play as well. Um, and all of a sudden, midway through the season, they changed it. So I'm like, I'm what? I'm captain? So for me, it was like I had something to prove because I knew it was my only chance. And then luckily for me, I had Matt on my team with me, so we were like a one-two punch going to Jackson State that year. Speaking of Matt Lang. What it, what <laughs> we just so have a new person high. entering.
0: Matt Lang, who was the captain uh, from, goodness, uh, oh, was it 02 to 04? O two to oh, 0-1 to O four, O one O four. Okay, because that's weird. I go O one O two and then O two O three. You know all that other stuff. Yeah, we were just talking about uh, for everybody who's listening. When Matthew Lang, who's been on the podcast before, he is in, and we were just talking about Matt. We were in the middle of the, the discussion of rivals, and I know Eldon was just finishing up talking about Jackson State. We're gonna go to Mumbi next, and then talk to you mm-hmm. a- after Mumbi.
5: I can't think of anyone besides South oh, Carolina. Okay. Um, I. I can't think of anyone else, um those are the ones where they were not nice.
4: Let's just <laughs> all right, so I remember those teams yet yeah, they weren't nice, and I'm glad y'all got them <laughs>
5: yeah, they, they were not nice, and it was very rewarding. That's the only team that comes to mind for me.
4: They were ungrateful. We got them in the
0: playoffs because we beat a team that I think that was at 3 that we beat a team that allowed them to get in, and I know Matt's probably going to talk about that a little more. I got one. I'm going to wait till everybody else goes through. But, Matt, who is the team, rival, team you wanted to be in, in the tournament?
6: Well, I mean, I don't think we had no rivals that year. We uh, we made it to the, to the finals. Um, I mean, except for Morehouse. If I remember correctly, uh, Morehouse and our team were the only thing people were talking about at the time, and um, we couldn't get them. Uh, I, I still think about that uh, that that game uh, even now. Was that almost what, twenty years later. Um, how I missed easy questions. I mean, it, it's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. thank you for allowing me to relieve this traumatic experience. <laughs> <but>, uh, <laughs> Got to purge to cleanse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think rivals... Yeah, I, I, South Carolina. I say I know we just dis, we dislike them.
4: They didn't say thanks because we got them in,
0: yeah, and then they beat them. us. Yeah.
4: Can I say something real quick? My disdain for South Carolina State was so high until I met my wife because my wife actually graduated from said, Like I hated them, and then I actually looked at her. Like I thought about like, should I date you? Because I know what these people, South Carolina State, <laughs> <laughs> are like. So it was that bad. They almost didn't marry my wife or at least date my wife because of that. <laughs> Janice, how about
1: you? Yeah, I'd say it's Morehouse for me. It was a bitter loss. And then they hopped up on stage, they linking arms and all of that. And I'm like, why you can't just win quietly? Like I did. I didn't appreciate it. <laughs> I couldn't let it go. I like all the grandstanding. Everybody's coming out the woodwork. The question readers were coming up and they linking hands. And I'm like, what is like so I've not been able to let that one go. So I would say my target had always been on uh, Morehouse for that.
0: Mm-hmm. I will say this: When you think about the history of their one of their most famous alums is the man who held the hostage of the father of their most famous alum. Let's leave it at that. Samuel kidnapped Martin Luther <laughs> King Jr. <laughs> <Senior. laughs> so, so, I mean, that right there is the irony uh, of that <laughs> Oh my god,
2: uh, um, Mark, how about you? Rivals uh, when during your time playing H you know, by the time I got there, there have been so many stories about Morehouse. That it was immediately like set from the beginning. Morehouse was the rival. You know, I-, I never had any particularly bad experiences by the time I had gotten in. I could observe very clearly that they were very um, fond of themselves and very up on themselves. And of course, I didn't like that. But there were multiple teams I felt that acted that way. So I was kind of like, that's not just Morehouse that I would see that at. I can't think of any other examples. So and besides that, the only other one that comes to mind, it wasn't that I thought they were particularly uppity. They were confident. AMU, they were a great team. But to me, it was funny because watching their games, you know, watching on the sidelines, and then when we weren't playing them, it always felt like, how come I can like answer 80% of these questions? But when we're playing, as I'm watching, and then suddenly if we're against Florida, why can't I get a single damn one of these? You know, It's like, why are you softballing it into FAMU when I'm not playing or when we're not playing, then we are playing. Suddenly we're getting Einstein-level crap, and it's like, give us that previous pack,
0: people. It's Come the on luck of the pack. It's the luck of the pack. It, you never know what you're
2: going to get. It doesn't matter but, wherever you're it, at. Always, Sometimes like, FAMU was like, if I had if we were playing them against that pack, we would have. Hang, hung them out to dry. We would have nailed them, but then we got up to them and it's like, oh my god, come on! They were a good team. It was nothing against them, but it always felt like they were beatable. We just never were able to clinch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christina, how about you?
3: Yeah, fam, you got on my nerves. They just, <laughs> you, they just like we're better than you just because. And it's like, no, you're not. And then, um, I think when we were in the Elite Eight, trying to make it to the Final Four, I think we played against Morehouse too. So it's like who were so right. close <laughs> and <laughs> like foiled again so yeah I guess if there was anybody that I'd like wish Hellfire and Brimstone on it'd be those two schools it's a tale as old as time Uh it's <laughs> always you and more Morehouse square and all <laughs> uh, uh,
5: I,
0: I will say this mine and, and Matt and Mummy and, and Eldon and Janice know this because I. yeah I think it was 04 it was uh it was Savannah State mm. Savannah State there's one dude yes. the this. beginning yes. of uh it was the beginning of a bulletin board talk on the internet.
5: It was his name yeah. Fred is it that yes. guy? Yeah, I don't you even know what his last name. name. Is it oh.
0: He was t- the short the short boss comment because okay, he was talking about he was going to win the all-star in that room didn't uh, Matt won the all-star. He was talking about he was going to do this and they were going to get out of the room. Did not make it out of the room. We whooped them. So we're watching them play, and we're, you know, we're always sitting in the back writing our questions down. We think we know the answer. And I guess somebody was talking, and I, he looked directly at us, saying, Somebody needs to get on the short bus. <laughs> I don't remember we, that. I, I remember it. The, 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 I remember because you were sitting right beside me. Matt, you were sitting right beside me. And, and then we know. got there. I think we you had like 100 points. I had like 80 or 90. And is in the background doing the big wiggles.
4: Yeah, I remember. I remember. And I
0: remember. They were everything. No,
4: that dude, you need to be shut down. I'm glad y'all whipped their asses. Because he was talking too much oh. shit.
0: And I was like, man... Man and uh, no, David Thomas is who's on the short bus now. <laughs> <laughs> another, another, another Jackieism, another Jackieism, <laughs> and because I think about that, because I think he shook the dude's hand and he, he came back to us, and he's like no, he was on the short bus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the level of pettiness that occurred at HCast, people would not believe, but yeah, that was one of those things. You know what? You know, Morehouse didn't bother me. It was just sort of like, you know what you're going up against. Um, I'm trying to think. One of those teams, Claflin, we were playing, and we were 6-0, and and we lost. And they wanted to talk so much junk, they weren't even going out of the room. They had beat us because, yeah, it was a Saturday morning because something happened. I, we all this, we were all out of stores. Matt told me, you need to eat more because I decided to get a light breakfast because I'm like, I don't want to get bogged down because you know you eat too much, your brain gets all slowed up. Because I remember this, Matt went off, said <laughs> everybody, he's like, "You need to eat more" and all this other stuff. And I'm like, "Yep." And then all of a sudden, because like I think it had to be Claflin because they were just talking so much, so they much trash. Oh, uh, because yeah, they were happy they beat us because we were undefeated at the time, and, and they didn't even get out of the room. I think that was like their one or one of two wins they had. And and I guess we were all sorts. It was our first game in the morning. And I am like, yeah, we were off. And Because then after that, we won the next game. And that led to the War is Hell Separation Saturday speech that we had on videotape that is uh, unfortunately no more. Um, was that yeah. in our hotel room? Huh? Was that
6: in our hotel
0: room? Yeah, that, that was the one where we recorded. We were talking about we needed this happen to this happened because we were six and one. And there were a whole bunch of six and ones. There was All like two seven-os and a whole bunch of six and ones, and we didn't want to end up being one of those six and ones that ended up being then ended up running to Morehouse or Fam U early on. And then we sort of got lucky because then we beat North, we beat, oh, I can't fully who else we beat. We beat North Carolina, either North Carolina State or North Carolina AT. I'm trying to remember. Then we beat somebody else. Then we beat South Carolina State in, in the in the final four. And then we played Morehouse. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who we beat. But yeah, I always think about that. That whole chain of events in 04.
6: Didn't we have to play UBC?
0: Possibly. I think maybe it was UDC in the in the in the uh, elite eight. But no, I know
6: was, they made it to playoffs. I know we mm-hmm. I think we felt sorry for
0: them. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Uh it was the year after Frankenstein. So uh <laughs> yeah, Frankenstein. <laughs> his name is Michael Gabriel, I think that was his name. And it's like he was a machine and he was running through because he beat us a couple of times in the regional tournaments and then he just short circuited during the uh tournament, and then Frankenstein was one of those things. Muffy remembers
6: that <laughs> I <laughs> forgot. You know, and, and,
0: and, and I, remember,
6: I don't remember
5: him. The one that. thing I remember about Florida was that first game where we I, we got some obscene amount of points. I can't remember if it was like 400 or something crazy. And I remember when we were walking through the halls, all you kept hearing was, Who is UMES? Like, who is on the team? And I just remember it's like, Walking and it felt like we parted the water, so that's probably <laughs> <just my> memory. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's my first memory of that Lash of uh 2004 was that first game. I feel like it was the first game we played, and we yeah, got something obscene. We had a really easy team to play against, and we got like some crazy amount of points the first game.
6: But yeah.
0: Yeah. some non-Sir Douglas team that uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my one regret about that is I wish we were a little more sociable people because we ended up becoming the team of the people at that time and we were just sort of all- aloof and all to ourselves, which
5: <laughs> like, we gotta we, we gotta do this, we gotta do this. We're, you know, I just wanna I just wanna be frank. Uh, Matt, I blamed you for how crazy our practice schedule was and how intense you were in
6: 2004. <laughs> <laughs> so going back over it, I was like, yeah, you could have you calmed down a little bit. But it was my last year. I wanted to win. You know, it was just... It yeah. worked out from the back. You got to
4: remember too, Jackie was gone half that year. So when he came back, yeah. he was trying to play catch up too.
6: Yeah. yeah. And do you guys remember the little mutiny? Um, because I was
0: scared that they were going to put On the team, and
6: (laughs) why are
0: you like this? I I feel like we need to play like Civil War, Ken Burns style, the Ken Burns effect, and some like some uh, violin in the background.
6: I was not having that. I was not having that at all. I had no. I think he's a very smart man or guy, whatever. But he had no business being in on H cast because. he was on the team the year Jackie didn't come with us. I think Elder, you were the
4: yeah. That was me. Yeah, so it was um, it 02.
0: Oh, one. No. Uh, 0-1-0-2, Yeah, O
6: one O two. 2 And
4: yeah.
0: then O two O three. It was basically switch Z to Mike Davis, and then we we made it out of the room, mm-hmm. and that was uh, South Carolina State. Okay, and then
6: I remember. Okay, yeah, the junior year. I know we made it to the playoffs, but we lost to somebody,
0: South Carolina State, and then they got smoked by Morehouse because they didn't know their R and B music. I would have <laughs> cleaned. Their, I would have cleaned their clocks. <laughs>
4: okay. okay, maybe it's just me. I'm looking at your ES in the seasons. Why don't I remember Nequite being on the team O four and oh five? Like it's a completely blank. Like I don't even remember him there. Oh. Wow. It was, it was you, Janice. Remember. Me. Yeah. And it was Mike Davis, like Pat, name. Mark, and Janice
0: because Quinn was sick and Matt and Mumbay had already graduated.
4: Mm-hmm. And Pat was yeah. That's why I don't even remember.
0: I always told Mark this that I wish I took the gap year after 04 and just came back with Meredith and Mark and Janice and, and Christina. We would have probably ran the room at 0506, no doubt about it. If I knew what I knew then, I was just like, uh,
4: yeah, I that do meme, that
0: a meme of the dude who disappears like this. Y'all wouldn't have seen me on campus, I would have just taken a light schedule just to be a full time student at 0506, just for that one last shot at uh, I guess Morehouse.
5: H uh, uh, cast glory is that one last shot. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you know i'm I'm trying to recall back then and i'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus but i remember you know it's like it's my first year and i'm trying to get to know everybody i was like all right this you know this eldon guy seems to be a good coach he has experience you know you know i'm talking it's like okay very different when high school this earl guy is really smart he likes game shows i can get along with him denise is really smart oh i know who quinn is then there was pat (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> was, and I feel like that I must have said something to you Earl, just like, what's going on with him? And I almost had a feeling that just was like that indicator that there <laughs> would be a friendship there that I picked up there was just something off that I- just didn't jive, and it was like, okay, I think I don't try to throw anybody on the bus, but it was just like, wow, I don't know. there was very mutual feelings about <laughs> this. <that. laughs> I think it was 2002 um, when when
6: we did the tryout, and we had a lot of people coming out to try out, and so they had us playing against you know the people that were trying out. And one of the questions was it had to, it was a U.S. president, and he's on my team, and he heard it beats me on the on the buzzer. It says President Peterson, <laughs> and I'm just looking at this I dude. Remember I,
4: that actually. <sighs> I, I mean, yeah, Matt was livid. <laughs>
6: <'Cause> <laughs> from, that, from that point on it was it, you know it was, there was no hope right There was no hope.
0: and you know what i was trying i maybe i think it was a bonus it was a bonus because i was trying to say pierce franklin pierce and he heard peterson out of it because that's how it, it got a little crazy just letting everybody know listening to the podcast joining us uh, another member of the 05 to 09 umesh cast squad is fred stevens how you doing fred
6: Doing all right. Doing all right. I'm in the middle of a prep cook shift, so, you know, you guys ask questions, you know, I'll be here and I'll be answering them as I chop and cook and braid and all of that fun
0: stuff. It's good to be here. Fred, we wanted to ask you, especially you're jumping in. To you, what was it like, especially attending HCAP in the Orlando wing of the 64 seed tournament the first time? What was that experience like to you? It was... It almost didn't seem
6: real because I didn't know that something like this had existed at our school before. So, you know, I'm getting to the thing and we're getting greeted by old friends and people or asking us how our trip was and all of this other stuff. And then just meeting a bunch of other students from other schools that like you, that look like you, but were also there to compete and just have a good time. It was amazing. So just seeing all of the schools in one place. And it wasn't like a battle of the bears. It wasn't anything i like. Like, it was just a great feeling. Like, there was a lot of great academic minds from all over the world, all over the country. And I made a lot of really, you know, great friends from even my first year that I still keep in contact with to this day. So I really enjoyed that. And it was such a great departure from our environments in school, because usually it would be around, you know, titles or somewhere around there in like May or something. So it was just a nice little break from school life and then landing you know, right there in Orlando. It's definitely something where if I could be a chaperone, again, I probably would be an HCAS chaperone. It's a really great environment to be in.
0: Fred, let me ask you this. We were going into the subject of rivals and teams you wanted to beat. Who was it that you were interested in beating, especially in the competition? We've heard everybody from Morehouse to FAMU to Savannah State to South Carolina State. But to you, was there a team that you wanted to really uh, dig into?
6: So I guess just because it was local, the kids from Morgan always talked trash to us, even though they never really like beat us always, but we would do like the kind of local invitationals. That was always fun. But once we got to nationals, it was usually view. It was Savannah. It would be, if we ever got a chance to play Alcorn, Alcorn was a great, was a pretty good school in some of my last years. And I'm trying to think of who we lost to in the Sweet 16
3: Morehouse.
6: That was Morehouse? Okay. So, yeah, so Morehouse was usually a good, uh, usually a good Bible school. I actually made a couple of friends uh, from that Morehouse team, even though it was a very devastating loss. But, yeah, those kids, especially Fam U, who, was that, uh, who was that thin, tall kid that was talking on the trash, and then we beat them to get into the Sweet 16? Oh, I felt so good. I can't yeah. remember what his name was, but that was the round I went crazy. Because I just remember looking at him before because he was talking trash but around. And I was like, okay. (laughs) And we just went nuts after that. So, yeah. Fanny's always on the list.
0: Uh, Actually, speaking of that, because Fred made a good point. uh, Everybody's probably got one game where they were just so locked in. Where they just were on fire and unstoppable. Starting Eldon, do you remember a particular game where
4: you were just locked in? Um... I don't remember who I was with. I know it was my one-year's captain, so Matt, you were with me. I just remember the question and Andre's response. The night before, we had been drinking, um, <laughs> and somebody nice. drunk, and Pirates of Silicon Valley was on. Um, those aren't familiar to a, a movie that came on, a TBS, back in 2000 whatever, about Apple and um, Microsoft and all that formation. Well, I'm in there and we're playing. I want to say what Jackson say, but I don't know. I know we whipped up on whoever was, something terrible. And the question was, this company created the mouse. now buzzed in. And it's like, Merrily Showhawks. I'm like, Xerox. Now, mind you, I didn't know that before last night, the night before. <laughs> and is in the back, flipping out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Andre's flipping out. Because he's like, he's just like, like, we this, just like, learned this. <laughs> like, literally and like literally, I must have had at least three or four Jenna somethings the night before. <laughs> so it wasn't exactly like laser focus. But I know I don't remember who it was. I know that was probably one of my best games um, during that tournament. And again, like I said too, my one year as captain was made a bit easier by having Matt at my side. When I didn't get it, he got and we did that thing that year.
0: That was a good.
4: Moby, how about you?
5: I don't think I was ever like a really big scorer. I think I was consistent though. And I think I was really good at the math stuff. I was really good at the science stuff. And I think senior year, that 04 year is when I really felt confident, especially when we played against um, Morehouse. I remember when we were answering questions, all of us were just like, I guessed that and it was right. Oh my God. (laughs) But yeah, I don't think I was ever like a really high scorer, but I think I was consistent. Um, and I just got more consistent the more I played. So I think the last year was the year where I really felt like I hit my stride.
0: Matt, how about you?
6: See, I don't really remember many of the games. I think I remember one game from my freshman year. I think Eldon was the leading scorer of most games. But one game, I was the leading scorer. And I, I think I, I really did really well. Maybe the last year against Morehouse, that first game that we won against Morehouse in the finals, I think I got like 100, 120 points. But I don't remember any, most of the games. I don't, I don't, I don't have much any, any memory of them, you know?
0: Janice, how about you?
1: Okay, I can think of the, I don't know who we were playing, but it was my first year. I kind of um, mentioned this earlier. It was, it was my first year with the team, and we were at the national competition. And I didn't quite have a lane, like, of inf- like this is my expertise. I was, like, more or less like a wild card, pop culture stuff. And so the moderator started reading something, something, this singer 489 and I buzzed in. I was like, Alicia Keys. And I just was like, yes, because, you know, it was just like one of those like I normally I wasn't a high score either, but I was I was questioning myself a lot. Wasn't really like sure if I should jump in. But that was one of the times I really like felt like, girl, you know, this go ahead, do it. And it that that always sticks out in my mind. Uh, Mark, how about you?
2: Like Denise, I was never a big converter on toss-ups. Sometimes I would get a few. The one game that I always remember, it was my first year, you were captain. I don't even remember the, who we were playing against, but we started off we were going against one of the teams. It was one of the teams I got out of the room, and I want to say they made it into like the um, final four. We started off, and toss-up, it was one of those rare times. It was like, oh, I knew the first toss-up, Buzzing, boom. I always did a lot better on the bonuses. I was able to con- you know, help with the bonuses a lot better. Yeah. And, you know, If there was a way to measure my points by bonuses, I would have been <laughs> a lot better. But <laughs> I, I knew it, like, immediately it was a 30-20-10, and I was like, oh, boom, 30, and you gave it. It was like, right. Then the second toss-up, it's like, oh, like I know it. And I almost started doubting myself. It's like, how do I know two toss-ups in a row? Something's wrong.
4: <laughs> and then
2: got, we got another bonus, and it was about um, something with astronomy, and then there was another 30, 20, 10. And I kind of gave you this look like, I think I know, but I'm not confident because I've gotten three in a row. There's no way that I would have gotten that me in a row. And it was right. So within about 45 seconds, we already had 100 points. And the other team who had literally been sleeping kind of just gave us this look. <laughs> and later on, they came up and they all like, the, the captain came up to me. And was like, you scared the hell out of us, man, <laughs> when you started that game off. And I was like, there's a the first time for everything, buddy, but I appreciate it. Because <laughs> 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 it was, it was, it was sometimes you just get that streak of like, you almost start doubting yourself. It's like, there's no way that I'm actually knowing all this yeah, right now. I never knew this many. Yeah. But it was like, it happened. And it was just kind of like, it was so nice. That's like, we, again, like people were saying, we injected a little bit of fear into them. We didn't end up winning them. We were winning at like the first half, but in the second half, you know, they are almost like they got like, scared. But then in the second half that sphere motivated them we just couldn't quite catch up the rest of the way. It was a close game, but I was I was quite pleased with myself because they particularly just like we were ready to kind of you know get out at that point. We were a little scared and I was like, Wow, okay. <laughs> but um uh, <laughs> that was just that's always one of those things I remember. <laughs> How about you, Christina?
3: I'd probably say it was my Last year, and just like Mark said, I'm not I'm not good at the toss ups really. Like I would get like some of the the random ones, but when it came to bonuses, I was able to kind of jump in and and help and make sure we kind of had it together. But I think like my last year, um, it just seemed like we all kind of gelled. Like you go through that group dynamics and you know forming, storming, norming. We finally got to the norming and performing phase, and I felt like we were definitely kind of in the the zone there. And it was fun. It wasn't hard, and it didn't seem like it was forced or anything. So that was always cool.
0: Fred, I know you were talking about you had a game where you sort of blew up because the dude was talking trash and you... Yeah, uh,
6: it was... (laughs) It was my last year. I think it was me, Tina, Meredith, and Essence on the team. And his name was Ivory or something like that. And he had been... I think he had been the top scorer... the tournament for like most of the weekend so like i don't don't even know if he had set a record it was him and the dude that we had called jesus like like both of those like both of them were just killing in the rooms and then he had said something about like making it to the next round and i'm a very competitive person but i don't always like show it or say it and when he said that it was like, yeah, you know, like, it was like, hey, man, I guess we'll see y'all at the next, you know, so-and-so. i just like, okay. Eh. And for some reason, the match seemed a lot shorter because we seemed to be getting so many, what, like, we came out, I don't think they answered a question for the first maybe minute or so because we were grabbing everything. We got most of the bonuses, we hit everything. And when we came out, I remember just slapping my hands on the table, like, let's go! Because we were watching the matches and he, like, he by himself, just on toss ups was killing, killing. And to literally just like hit the pause button on somebody that's killing and do it like very publicly, it felt good. So that was probably, I think that also may have been career wise as one of my highest score matches, period. So, yeah, felt good. And I don't think I ever had a game like that again.
0: It's funny. I have a few instances. Uh, Fred, you were, it's interesting. You said that the guy was talking trash. We, we were just talking earlier. A guy on Savannah State. His name was Fred. I don't remember his last name, but he had he had been talking trash on bulletin boards. So this was like 0304 So he's talking trash. Mm. On bulletin boards. I boards Said a comment about UMES, about uh, some some of the players being on the short bus. So we whooped him. Ooh. Me and Matt I think scored ninety points each. He had like seventy. He was short circuiting. Our coach Dr. Thompson at the time after the after we beat him and he didn't get out of the room, he didn't win the All-Star because he was claiming all that stuff, because he had it in his whole oh. signature. And, you know, after we humbled him old country style, as as the Iron <laughs> Chief would say, we, you know, Dr. Thomas walked by, shook his hand, and like, come back to us and said, now who's on the short bus? Uh, oh. That was the thing. oh! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then, but then there's also, there's another game, so there was, uh, a, a lot of people may have heard this earlier, but we were talking about a game, first playoff game in 04, we were super trigger happy, we were in the negative, we were negative 15, and the t- other mm. team, I think it was like 75 to negative 15, we came back and beat them like three something to like 115, just in that, time around that playoff game, because we were just, uh, you know, after a couple bumps in the road, you know, it's always good to be trigger happy, you never be gun shy, because... Yeah. Gunshot will kill you. But the thing is, we turned that around. Uh, there was another game senior year. Uh, we were already out of the race. I think I was telling Janice and Mark, at this point, we're out. I'm going all in. I scored 110 in that game. In one game, <laughs> to end up uh, clinching like, the all-star. That, hey. that If we're not getting out of the room, might as well just put personal might. goals in, in the front. Right. Might as well do it. have a good showing. And I think, well, we had two consecutive years of All-Stars because Matt won it the year before, and I won it the next year. I assume, <laughs> I assume, I don't know if it, it mattered the year it after. The,
6: the whole thing, the guy from Morehouse beat me for like, like 20 points, I think.
0: The top All-Star man. Yeah. That's crazy.
6: Morehouse.
0: Jeez. <laughs> Two, two toss ups. Who knew in the grand scheme of things? And it's funny, <laughs> talking about, you know, you're sort of wondering, you question yourself. This is the one motto we always said that thing go with your gut feeling because most of the time your gut feeling never strays you wrong. You may get this, it's either this or this because there's always an answer where it could be two people and you're yeah. and you're always going to err on is it this one or this one? Go with what you think because nine out of 10 times you're going to be right. Because, you're probably going to be right. Yeah. Um. One of the things I want to ask you guys, especially after the accolades, we made it to several, we made it to the Sweet 16 several times and, and things like that. The withdrawal after it all went away after either at the end of the year and you had to wait for next year or senior year, that was it. The withdrawal had to be something uh, going around every with everybody, starting with Eldon. What was that withdrawal like, especially, you know, that was it, no more H-Cast.
4: Uh It was weird and let me give you two, two distinct instances. So after my first year, so this is after the national tournament, um, and this is – it was the Wild West of, of HCAS and what the rules were and were not. <laughs> and we to things out. And I said it because my, my first year the national tournament was only, I think, a second year. doing mm. it as a national competition. Before then, it was still regional with the – people from the region was going to be on TV, which what they used to do, kind of what they're doing now. Um, so we actually wanted to stay in the loop and continue practicing. So we went to these college bowl tournaments, well, college bowl tournament at College Park to continue to practice, continue to stay on our game. And I guess at that time, luckily, the Shields couldn't go because at the end of it, it came down, oh, we couldn't participate in college bowl. Which is why I had that year gap, which ended up making it uh, doing well because since I had to sit out a year, like literally like me and a couple of people, like we we couldn't go back, we couldn't go to Nashville, we could play in the practice team, we could be in a travel squad, we just couldn't go to Florida because of that. I mean, it worked out for UMES in the program in, in the long run, mm. but you know that was one of the things withdrawal. You wanted to stay sharp, and we just we had to find different ways. And I'll flash forward to not just when the season ended because we still practice even though the season was was over it was just really during the summer and we talked about it so much it never seemed like it stopped but for me when I left UMES officially like that's when that withdrawal set in and I'm like I gotta volunteer I gotta do this (laughs) And, and ultimately and this is like the best things because of honda I, I got a job eventually for a while which was amazing i got paid to do all the stuff i did at UMS for free <laughs> going to <laughs> Coppin and, and because i knew well long story short i the at the time at director of the copin play for langston when um i think when i was coaching and slash playing so we developed a friendship he had been trying to get me for that job for two years once he got promoted so, I was still in grad school finishing up. He's like, oh, come on, you can just do, do this, you know, go to class, come back up. I was like, okay, no, I can't do it. And then I was I was still with coaching y'all. Like, I wouldn't leave y'all for nobody. I don't care. Personally, <laughs> so long story short, like, I'm done. I think I, I came that last um, tournament with Ms. Noble. No, I came afterwards because I was with my wife. Then. But anyway, I came down for that tournament. Um and I was working and then the job I had just that wasn't the best job out of Grasco, I'll put it that way. And then Steve called me up and that job was open again. He's like, it's yours if you want. I'm like, Hell yeah. So I literally got to go to Cop State for a year and including try to start the HS program, because he'd restarted it with him being there since he was alumni. And he's just like, Look, I know what you did at UMES. I know what sort of player you were. You know, just help me train them. So Honda got me a job. You know those connections, and you know that that helped for me with that withdrawal. So I love that. But then after I left that job, it was it was nothing. I think I helped out at one tournament um, at UMES. and after that, it was it was nothing, and it was hard for a while. Honestly, Honda had been such a large portion of my life up in that point in time. I mean, that's we're from literally 10 years of my life <laughs> i was you know involved in honda so that's it was it was really hard to move on uh, per se and i still am able to keep in touch with a lot of people but just being able to play um it was so cool even um jonathan evans who used to run um work at and not work at uh play for four and a.m like he and i became close he actually worked for uh, Kyle's Bowl, Richard Reed uh, Productions for a short amount of time and he actually talked to me about writing questions for the uh, Africa Challenge so I did that for a little bit um, not that long but uh, they used some of my questions and you know, I got a couple bucks out of it literally a couple bucks out of it um, but it was that withdrawal is something but it never really leaves you um, the no, aspect, like, you, you always have that competitive spirit everything comes down to This is one of the things I'll say uh, to people, especially about things like Honda, but Honda specifically. Um, It kind of goes back to conversation we had about a Neckway. The one thing about Honda is, unlike athletic teams, athletic teams are about skill. Honda, you're working with nouns, but also you're working with different people's personalities. And the best life lesson in doing Honda is learning how to work with different people and different personalities for that common goal. And that's why I say, even though, you know, they were, you know, rub people the wrong way, you still had to learn to work together. And I think with that, you know, that's really a lesson uh, more so than a lot of courses I took and people I worked with in classes, Honda more than anything taught me how to work with people and different types of people going forward throughout the rest of of my life. Uh, So, I say have to say, I always have withdrawal. I always keep up with Honda if I' ever have, have opportunity to volunteer again, I would just because the program itself gave me so much mm-hmm. um, in my own personal development in my life, and you know i I know my life is richer because I know all of you because of it as well each one of you have you know mushy have touched me in, in some way, shape or form over the years um and it is—it's really good to see all of. I mean, I've talked to Earl and, and, and Matt over the years, but you know, it's it's really good to see all you guys. Everybody looks so good. <laughs> I got <off> all <laughs> the tangent, but I had to say that. <laughs>
0: Black, don't crack. Uh, uh, Moby, did you have to withdraw once that happened? What do you do to sort of keep that competitiveness and trivia thing going if you still do?
5: Um. It's so funny because the fear of withdrawal started my freshman year. I think it was the year there was a gentleman from FAMU. I think his name was John. And I remember him talking about how like um, he wanted to, he was like, how is it going to be when we graduate? Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. And that was always in the back of my mind for like all four years. It was in the back of my Mm -hmm. mind when, it finally happened. I was like, oh my God, this is worse than I anticipated. <laughs> like, you know? yeah, it took me a while to kind of orient myself afterwards because it was such a big part of my collegiate career, you know, doing it all four years, that time, that effort, and, you know, I remember the first time spring came around after graduation. I was like,
6: I'm usually in Florida around this time. Like, <laughs>
5: <laughs> so, and one of the things that I, I actually wanted to ask, like, I know at that time there was talk about like, yo, can we do something for alumni? Like, is there anything, yeah. is there anything for alumni? Debris. Because, you know, I would, I would <laughs> like to play.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you know no, I'm, so, um, I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm actually very surprised that H hasn't tried to like invite alumni that for something, whether it's like an introductory game to show people like intensity or something. Like I'm so surprised that nobody's done anything like that. I think it'll be a great opportunity.
0: Yeah. I, I will say that if they do, it, they need to bring the old format back for those alumni, because this new format, I don't know how many of you guys have seen that. We'll talk yeah. about that a little more, but it's a stark difference from the old college ball format. But the new format is completely different. And I tried to watch the first round last week. Kudos to North Carolina a but honestly, I just can't get jiggy with that whole format. It just, <laughs> I can't do it.
6: What's the biggest difference?
0: It, it's completely different. It's not even two halves. It's like four, it's like four rounds of like four minutes of time and you go to, a, there's a toss-up category, they answer it and then you can pick a category and then there's a bonus that's 20 points and then you keep going to the, you can go to a category up to four times. So there's four categories in each round and you keep going to it until either time runs out or you use up all the questions and then the bonus round is like a catch-up round. It's like So you have to build up a lead and then in the case of the then if you're trailing then you just got to keep trying to catch up and, and beat the score, so it's not even head to head. It's sort of like you're, you're beating beat the, the clock. clock.
4: Come yeah. on. in many respects.
0: It's like Matt. I mean, Mark. You know what we're talking about. It's like Matt playing matchup on match game. It's like this: you're mm-hmm. trying to set the pace, and then the next person has to try
6: to beat the it. So it's beat, like,
0: right? yeah, it's not like you're going head to head.
6: Yeah, you uh, establish the baseline. It
2: uh, has the match. Mm-hmm. So yes. it kinda
6: it, so it kinda takes the rivalry aspect out of it. So the rival is the clock now and not the not actual the first teams, teams exactly. it seems like. Boo yeah. yeah.
4: They adapted a lot of that from uh the African game because back in I guess early two thousands, especially with the three people per team and then the question format, that's what they were doing with their Africa challenge, and they've incorporated those things now over to hcast
0: yeah once college Bowl went broke uh, i think they decided to go in a different direction instead of using that format okay i'm yeah.
4: surprised
0: why don't you just completely buy it
6: out and just own it like why are you changing it to something else well do- doesn't the
0: reed family own the whole college yeah, Bowl reed, format now
4: he owns all the uh, yeah, oh, yeah okay. so never that's- mind
0: that's yeah. why I'm assuming they're doing with the Peyton Manning one that comes up in the summer that they're going to go back to the traditional, uh, as I call it, the old, the old school Alan Ludden format, where it's where we played in HCAS where it's four and four, and you do the clocks. But I don't know. I'm I'm under the assumption that they're going to do that. That's
2: my understanding.
0: But yeah, I, I'd definitely be all for an alumni thing. Even us, we might have to like mm-hmm. in the end of like what Rocky two, we might just have to do a little sparring session, get everybody together and, and play just the same <laughs> and throw everybody together. People from 05 with O with O one and O and O seven from that would be 04. cool. Like if
5: we did like a UMEF alumni bowl where it was just like we all got together at like a central location, pick names out of a hat, and just were like, now go. You know, but who has the buzzers? So that's the real question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody can buy some buzzers. I I, remember,
6: I think I remember during either the 08 or the 09 season, because depending on the publicity that gets gathered around it, like we had, had generated a little bit of buzz, and they were going to do an on-campus tournament, and whoever won that tournament was going to go against us. And then I think we wound up doing like a practice round and crushing. And then I think they canceled Tina. Did, like, like what happened with that? Like, I remember it getting we canceled. Or...
3: Yeah, but I can't yeah. remember like why. There was some controversy yeah. surrounding it you know
6: it, yeah, it, it was, you know, was stu- stu-
3: student activities it
6: was
2: always something crazy Uh-oh. happening so yeah i but, say yeah, another right experience ahead. team against the the the, the veterans what know what they think was going to happen <laughs> no it would it would have been terrible it would been, uh, yeah. yeah, you were gonna stomp them so badly. You probably not even trying.
0: <laughs> Fred, Fred and Christine, I have to ask you this because again, most of us played under Dr. Thomas or played under Elden or Miss Noble. How was Dr. Terrell the coach? I didn't really again play or experience what she was like. How was she as a coach? Because I don't know what she was like as a coach, or was she just a caretaker, or
3: <laughs> <laughs> she's still my team. mentor. So yeah, she was great. I think. Um, I don't even know how to describe her because she's just DT. <laughs> like... Yeah, she was high energy.
6: She kept us very encouraged and mm-hmm. kept us like kind of talking to each other. For some reason, she made H-Cast for us more social. So it was like us getting, it was more of like us getting together while we were learning mm-hmm. instead of us just like coming together for practice. So like the environment was a little less tight because there would be times where she would be stuck in meetings and we would be running practice. So it wound up it wound up giving us a sense of ownership for some of it. And then when she came on it was like a little bit extra guidance, advisory, calming, stuff like that. So it was really very interesting seeing the differences between her and this noble. But then you also remember we had Doctor White for a coach for a limited amount of time. And yeah. he's a very cerebral and academic person and fun. So he loved the competition part. So anytime he'd come in to help with practice, he always just loved to have us in the game instead of studying. Cause he kind of liked the game readiness aspect of us at practice. And so he always had us on buzzers and stuff like that. And, um, Miss noble usually had us doing like stuff. So it'd be like we'll it'd be hitting bonuses and practicing some of that stuff and you know it's just very interesting kind of having those different styles of coaching uh, yeah over the but years. i will
3: say when dr Terrell was the coach like because of her personality and because she literally knows somebody in every hvcu everybody knew who was whenever yep. we went to nationals they knew us before we walked in the room because DT knew somebody in the room DT already. Somebody.
6: And hey, come come here, y'all. Let me let me let me introduce y'all to this so and so from mm-hmm. so and so that I met back in '86. You know what I mean? Just something. But it was mm-hmm. it was always nice. It was always nice. Like she was. I, I think that she was a great. I think she was a great addition to the line of coaches that we wound up having.
0: Uh, just and and that's great to hear that because I was I was always curious because I mean I only knew through Noble. That was pretty much it. And I was just curious how you guys had several, uh, different coaches after that. So I was, I was curious about the coaching style. It is basically the opposite of, of, of Dr. Thomas, definitely. It's like, you know, he, he's like, we knew, he let us know, you guys are good. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. Right. And, and, and sometimes you might just have to, to walk that road alone. <laughs> That's why I was like, yeah. man, I wish we were a little more sociable with some of the other teams those those other years because it's like, man, because we probably would have hung out with probably some of those other folks, but we never know. Yeah. We say to ourselves.
4: Oh, we didn't. No, we weren't. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. No. But I, I'm, yeah. I'm glad. I always wonder how Dr. White was because I always oh. imagine what he brought to the team as a coach, considering he volunteered for so many years. He, and the sort of perspective he, that he had.
6: He was a ball of just, like, light and energy. Like, when he was in the room, there was never a down practice. That's always. So it was, (laughs) like, like no matter how hard the day was, if he was in the room, it's impossible for you to have, you know, be frowning or anything like that. Like, he kept practice fun all the time. So that, that's, I think that's one of the things that when, when he kind of kept us in the game, I think that was kind of one thing to keep us going, like, you know, to keep your energy up and kind of keep focused on what's kind of going right there. If there's something bothering you, it may, not, it may not be as much as that point. And then, you know, if we need to take a break and talk about that stuff, you know, breaks were taken, uh, you know, if anybody needed to leave or anything, like... It was just a very welcoming, calming, but, like, fun.
0: Uh, going back to the quick thing about H-Cat's uh, withdrawal, I know everybody's going through it. Uh, Matt, what was your withdrawal like?
6: Man, I tried to cut myself off cold turkey. I didn't watch Jeopardy anymore. I did. I was so sad. I didn't want to do anything Ooh. quiz-wise. You know, it was just, it was so, I mean, think about it. To get to the where we were, we beat Morehouse that first game, and then they beat us the next two games to win the to win the finals. I mean, that was so heartbreaking to really. me. I, I didn't want I mean, I, cu- I couldn't deal with it, so I didn't want to do anything with h because, you, know, you know, even the next year, I know you were doing it, you know, I, when you could call me and talk about it, I was like, I don't really want to do I don't want to go, you know. And even now, it's this is still kind of hard, you know, even, good Lord, how many years, it's still kind of hard to, because I didn't get to where I wanted to get to, you know. Yeah. And we should have won. I mean, I don't remember many questions or games anymore. I do remember those two questions I got wrong that second game against Morehouse. Deborah, the biblical judge, and Honolulu, the cap- the, the capital of Hawaii.
0: And it was a le- the large Asian population. I, rem- I remember that would the, you, the question was. Would you like to know the question that we
6: missed – that if we would have got it on a bonus, we would have made it to the elite eight and made it into the paper. We were talking about Bloody Sunday, and I think the initial consensus was Sunday, and I talked everybody out of Sunday. And if we would have agreed to Sunday, even because it, it, it was 30, 2010, if we had even agreed to Sunday on the 20, we would have gone to sudden death, and it wouldn't have come down to them getting Walter Reed and Yellow Fever in their bonus. 25 to take us out. Do I remember that? Absolutely, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So I know those missed questions, sir. I know how you feel. (laughs) I know how you feel.
5: See those the Morehouse game. What I remember is how the packet changed so drastically. Yeah, yeah. Like how it went from like a really good balance of like music and math and science and literature and history. And then it almost seemed like, well, you know, this is, you know, maybe loser's remorse or whatever, but it felt like the next packet was very much tailored to Morehouse's strengths.
3: Mm-hmm. like his, and, uh...
5: Yeah. And I think that was what made it so tough was mm-hmm. to feel like, you know, you, you had a good team, your team was showing that they were performing well and to feel like, the packet was changed. I don't know if it was intentional or whatever. I'm not going to say that. Honda, I still want to come back and volunteer, whoever's listening. But like, I just that I think was what made it so bitter. And I remember like, after we graduated, Matt and I used to hang out a lot and we, I don't even remember us talk, like we would talk about it and then we would just be like, you know what? It's fine. It's fine. Let's yeah. yeah. Let's just stop. Let's just stop. <laughs>
6: Yeah,
4: I, I will but. say this based on what Mummy said, and I do remember <clears throat> talking with Jackie in the audience uh during that game, and we asked those questions too. and I don't know so much right now because of how the championship has been spread around in the past couple years, but back then, the golden children of Honda were Morehouse, Oakwood, and FAM,
1: mm-hmm. and mm-hmm.
4: that was. Optics-wise, it was good for one of them to win, especially for Morehouse of Fam. So I will never ever accuse anyone of purposely switching out the packet. And especially, it's funny because you, you brought up Mummy how you know even people who worked for Ponda went and locked arms because they were Morehouse men and this and that. All I'm saying is that is a question. You got a we case, all <laughs> <ask>. like. <laughs> It's kind of suspect yeah. when you look at it from the outside. At that point in time, now, I wouldn't say that because of how the distribution has gone in the past. But back then, but then I mean, well, you had like Morehouse winning three, four years in a row. Fam went winning two, three years in a row. Oakwood. And it's just like, at that point in time, what's in Honda's best interest? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying, if you <laughs> want to play that card, there are a lot of things that fit. I mean, like, it was,
5: I think it was so crazy because, like, I'm just thinking about, you know, the time that, you know, we parted the waters until, like, it's, <laughs> like, like, those championship games, like, it almost felt like it was, like, creating these two factions, right? And I remember even looking out on the, out in the audience, and, like, it was a clear divide, like, people who were cheering for Morehouse, and, like, those are very much from what I remember, I could be wrong. It felt like those were people who were very established in the h task. You know, mm, arena. and like the people who were cheering for us were very much like it was like the underdogs, like yeah. everybody was like, Oh, oh my god, oh, yeah. people
0: like, people loved <laughs> it.
6: Like,
5: and then we were like, Yes, we did, yes, come, it, come join us. You know? it's, like
0: the, it's like the debate scene in head of state. Every time Chris Rock said something, everybody would stand up. Yeah, and then, and every time the other guy they would sort of clap. Just yeah. yeah,
5: it was just, I mean, like, I think all of that made it bittersweet. I think that's what made it like really, really salty. It
4: it, any it, other team. It'd, be,
5: it'd be one thing to feel like, okay, we missed these questions and yes, that's our bad. But to like see the shift the shift in all these different areas, I think it was just like it was very painful.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. It was very painful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Janice about withdrawal. What was the withdrawal like for you?
1: Um, right after I left. I went right to grad school um after leaving UMES. And so I didn't really have time to focus on missing uh HCAS because it was just like I wouldn't have been able to go to practice. Elton, I don't know how you did it as a grad like grad student juggling that and, and practice. I
4: don't know how I did that last semester. I don't know. <laughs> really, I don't I look back now and I'm like, goodness.
1: Yeah, so like the, like the withdrawal wasn't too bad, but I do remember like in earnest I was looking one year to like try to volunteer. I don't remember what happened, but um, I never ended up doing it, but I really was like, Oh, I'm I missed being in that space." Um, but you know, now I just enjoy Jeopardy like the rest of us, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: Mark, how mm-hmm. about you? What's the withdrawal like?
2: My withdrawal never totally happened, but for it was slow transition. So I mean I left in 07. I transferred to SU. Um but uh thanks to you Earl actually it was in two thousand and five or six I ended up starting to coach the Snow Hill High Quiz Bowl team. Uh-huh. And so I was coaching them. It was really one of the first jobs i ever had so that wasn't like oh i'm grading this professor's papers or doing something like that so i was coaching that team actually through 2009 i had my nasa internship in 2009 I, so I went across the bridge and then i came back for the final tournament and then that's when the recession hit so um that was comcast academic challenge and so that mm. actually got canned at that point but that same year is also when I started coaching first Lego league. So that competitive Ooh. thing never left. And I coached robotics teams until 2019, you know, so I did that for over a decade. So I was always had something competitive that I was coaching or leading. And I always used to talk about, you know, it's like, Hey, I was on quizzical teams. There weren't robotics teams back when I was your age. I was always like, I had Quiz Bowl and I had league. Those are my competitive things. Mm -hmm. But it's some of the same ideas are there where it's like, you got to give it your all. You got to be a team. You got to work together and play to each other's strengths. And that was always those things where it's like, you know, I, I can point specifically to teams that I coached over a decade of coaching myself of Lego alone, that it was like the teams that did the best were the teams that worked together, that had a diversity of interests, a diversity of backgrounds and knowledge that they were able to come together to, make a nice presentation, come up with some innovative ideas and make the robot of course and the programming and all work. So it was, it was 2020 was the first year since about 2004 that I hadn't coached a team and I was doing quiz bowl in one form or another as a coach or a player or something for about 11 years. And so, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, it never could have left me, um, But in the interim, it's kind of like, you know, I've done everything from, like, well, I'm going to apply for game shows. And even, like, now with my current job, trying to see if I can, you know, get some kind of a stem ball going on. Just, like, now take on the new role of trying to keep something going somehow. since so many of these, you know, competitions have fallen off in the past 10 years.
0: (laughs) Uh, Christine, how about you? What was the withdrawal
3: like from HCASC? I think I was more like Janice. I didn't have time to go through withdrawal initially because my last year, I also ran for Miss UMES. And the pageant was like a couple of weeks after. So as soon as we got back, I had to like jump (laughs) back into pageant mode. We started doing rehearsals and everything. And I was like, oh, I got to get my, you know, Miss America wave on and everything. And I kind of like threw myself into that. And so that kind of helped distract me. (laughs) For a while but I did end up doing an extra year to graduate because you know life be life and so I do remember the following year going like dang man I'm supposed to be in Orlando right now dang this sucks
6: <laughs> um
3: yes yeah, so I, I do remember doing that but initially I i didn't have any I was in pageant mode.
0: Fred How about you what was uh the HCAS withdrawal like so
6: after my last year in HCAS even I in my last year at School, no, the year before my last year at school. And same thing in May. Like, it's that same idea where it's like, man, I really gotta stay around for these tests when I should be in Orlando in this humidity, like talking to my friends from Tennessee State and Alcorn and all of my homies that i have literally only talking to on Facebook, you know, because our schools don't play each other in basketball and, you know, we're not at baseball games or nothing like that. So, Knowing that my next time of seeing them would probably be as, like, an adult graduated, that was a big thing. I think my other way to cope was, kind of with some of you guys, I was, like, anytime I could be flexing my knowledge, whether it was through apps on my phone, whether it's watching Jeopardy, which I would do with my dad, you know, anytime I would travel back home, like, anything to kind of keep my brain going. Like, even coming out here to L.A., like, there's a ton of, like, you know, quiz nights and stuff like that. So I would try to fit those. I would literally go on a team by myself on quiz bowl and just like, all right, let me see what I can do, just so I can try to like get my head back in there. And I think after this pandemic and everything is like over, I've personally been getting into like other production. I'm a chef. I don't know if you guys can see from, you know, my uniform in the kitchen where I'm at right now, but I'm building my own personal business and doing events and stuff. And one of the things that I do want to do. Is, you know, do something quiz because it's something that you know, makes my brain tingle. And it's something that I know that outside of anything physical, you know, like sports and things, mental agility and like superiority makes almost anybody feel good. So, you know, putting on those events, making sure I don't know what kind of spin I'm going to put on them, but that's how I'm, doing. I'm dealing with it every day. Anytime I don't get a chance to be on stage and answer questions and stuff like that, it, you know, it it does something. And, you know, even just being at a table with my friends and <laughs> having inside jokes and all of that stuff, like, it's, it was just, Everybody like, you gotta go. Sorry. Uh, it's, like, it was, it was really just, you know, I, I just miss it. Like, like more so, I think, than the competition, I think it was the camaraderie of once, like, my teammates. So, like, Mark and uh, Essence and Meredith and Miles and Kenneth and and we actually lost, um, a team member. Uh, he passed away, I think in a car accident a few years ago, Mike Cannon. Um, he was on the HCAS team when I think Dr. Uh, Dr. White was the coach. And he passed away a couple of years after graduation. But like, my, like we had a lot of like young talent that was coming onto the team. We were leaving. And so like, I miss all of it. I miss all of it. And I don't, I don't think I've ever gotten over it. I don't think I ever have. I don't think I ever will. It's too, it's too form. I think it was too formative in a very formative time in my life that like it's always going to make and have that like really big impression on me
0: yeah and it's funny for me really the hcath withdrawal it's like i that was it that last year i like i said i always joke that man had i just sat out o four o five and came in when. Christina, Fred and Meredith came. There would have been oh. one last chance for everybody. <laughs> Dynasty, no, 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 Dynasty, sir. Dynasty. <laughs> I would have everybody. pulled a LeBron and just like oh, I'm gonna sit out this year and I'll be back <laughs> next. I'll be back next year. But um, yeah, I, it was tough. I, honestly, I ended up doing the radio stuff and then I started uh, doing that really for the rest of the year and, and everything. And then I started coaching my alma mater, Snow Hill High School, their team for a year. And it was frustrating to it, the most helpless feeling in the world is. When you have an idea, you know these answers, but you can't play anymore. You're just there trying to get the, trying to get the kids into playing it and things like that. And that was a tough experience, is just sort of doing it. And even then, I was assistant coaching for a year at UMS as much as I could without being mm-hmm. a, a non-traveling volunteer. And that was cool just being able to see all these guys. I'm like, man, you know. Of course, I kept in that mindset, man, I always wondered, why would these guys be against us, against the, you know, the 0-2 uh, the to 0 the 02 to 04 team? Because I'm just curious because it just sort of, I see a lot of potential. In it, and you guys definitely showed that potential. Unfortunately, I wish I was there to see you guys do all that stuff. But uh, and I was sort of glad about it. I mean, after that, it was just sort of like, I had no idea. I just had no outlet for anything. I started doing trivia nights just to keep occupied. I'd go trivia night on a Tuesday, trivia night on a Wednesday. If they had it on a Friday, I'd go there too. Because I was that preoccupied with I just needed something to do. There was nothing else to do.
2: At some point, we did trivia almost every night of the week. <laughs> Yeah, point, point. Nine
0: green turtle. Who knows? Who knows on a Tuesday? Green turtle on a Wednesday? I think it was break time on a Thursday night. I, that we kept yeah. at one time we went to the beach. Mackey's, I think it was at Mackey's. Mackey's. We did on like a yeah on a Saturday. And, Man. Yeah, I was trying to. Like, you know, I was felt like Tom Roman. Hey, you got any more of them questions? Yeah, you know? <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> at that point because like. <laughs> I had nothing else to do and then things like that. And then I know this will basically move to the next question about trivia and all that stuff. The Sports Jeopardy thing was a godsend because honestly, I had no clue that all that was going to happen. And I was lucky to do that. I'm like, you know, I needed something to do. And that was a great output because it got me back into HCast mode. I felt like I hadn't even left. I still had same uh, pointer, of the game. Yep, yeah, same buzzer finger The at the uh, Dr. Bear Gaines at the bug spray. Everybody buck else spray. uses the thumb. I was never a thumb full on. My finger
6: was always slightly pressing it, and I never had to do a full press. I don't know why people didn't do that. If you knew the sensitivity of the buzzer, you push down enough so that it doesn't go off, and as soon as mm. you know the question, you have a much shorter distance to cover when pressing. Mm. I right. don't know why people did not think of that.
4: Yeah, Fred, I was the same way. My finger never left the top of that buzzer. Never. Yeah. No, no, never. never. No. If you ever do a Jeopardy audition live audition, they'll
0: give you the pens. The pen is designed like the buzzer. So the thing to push the ink out is red. So that's all you have to do. And you always use that. And I always thought the thumb was like a cumbersome finger for me when it comes to buzzer. And I felt I was slow. But the next finger... That was it. I knew if I knew it, I had you dead to rights. There was no way that somebody was going to beat me on the buzzer. You may know it, but you got to <laughs> know it faster than me. You got right. to know it faster. That's how it was. Right. And that's one thing for anybody who tries out on for any game show, especially with a buzzer like Jeopardy. It's all about reflexes. It's like a job. It's not like what you know is who you know. And this one, it's not what you know is how fast you can get to it. Because if you can beat anybody on the draw, everybody kept telling me on Sports Jeopardy, man, he was so fast. He was so fast. It, that's the thing. I probably knew just as much as everybody else did. And they said they knew just as much as everybody else. It just couldn't get to the buzzer in time. <laughs> that, that was a big thing for me. I mean, I again, don't want to hijack that. I wanted to talk about you guys. Did you guys like do any uh, trivia competitions? Did you guys try out for game shows or anything like that, Elvin?
4: No. Uh, I was trying out for Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> I've done the Jeopardy test a couple times, but I'm not good at typing the questions <laughs> fast. Like I can spit them out, but yeah, so I haven't gone back in a while. Just um, life has gotten away in that regard. <laughs>
0: How about you, Mambi? I think I've done
5: a trivia night like once, um, but yeah, otherwise, I I haven't done anything. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Janice, how about you? Um, okay, so let me tell y'all. So, most recently, you know, I, so I, I teach middle school and we've been teaching remotely. So, like, normally when we're in the building together, like every so often, like we'll have like a planned staff outing. But we haven't been able to do that, of course, with, you know, Corona. So, we've been doing like virtual events. So, one night we had trivia and I was in my zone. And I was, and I was like, should I slow down? Am I the asshole because y'all not answering these fast? So I'm gonna keep like y'all not like I was like hopping in like before the questions. I was, like I have time. I'm this is my moment. Uh, so I did feel a little bad because I was like, oh, they didn't come to play the way I came to play. But um, other than that though, like it's been you know pretty pedestrian, like you know random trivia games, but nothing like um. Nothing like a pursuit of, like, a competition or anything like that.
2: Mark, how about you? Anything that's a game, and you know that kind of thing, I've always liked. The thing about Jeopardy, you know, I've taken the Jeopardy test so many times, and I've talked about this before. I don't have this huge, raw trivia knowledge. There are a select handful of subjects I have in-depth knowledge about, and they just so happen to be subjects that not a ton of people, you know usually, you know, know a lot of in-depth stuff, how many physicists do you find walking down the street, you know, kind of thing. So it's one of those things where it's like, my value to a to team is, oh, those other subjects that nobody knows about, it may be a subject I tend to know, but this broader knowledge, especially when you get into certain realms of pop culture, is not there. And even if I do know it, and I, it's too much for me to catch up on, so like a game like Jeopardy, which is so reliant on broad knowledge, just you know if i get 30 of the 50 i'm like that's pretty damn good for me but usually it takes like 40 so it's like and that 10 difference are you know just general knowledge pop culture knowledge that like you know people a lot of people know but people like me don't and so the games that i tend to gravitate to are those that are a little more you know a little more on the logic side or maybe like word games so you're You know, your Scrabbles and that kind of thing, or like, you know, this new realm of game shows, your pyramids and all that kind of thing are the type of shows I tend to much more excel at than the pure trivia games. So, but they're all games. I like doing them all. I'll still try. I just will never expect to go on a nine-game streak like certain people we know in Jeopardy anytime soon.
0: It was only only eight games. It was only eight games. Oh, my bad. I'm sorry. (laughs) Christina, how about you? Have you been doing any trivia competitions or going game show auditions? Um,
3: I feel like working on this dissertation is a game, and I'm losing. So so other than that, no. (laughs)
0: Uh, Fred, how about you? And do anything like that, Trivia Nights, trying out for stuff? Uh, it's really only been
6: going out for the Jeopardy test. The thing that's been very interesting about it is I've taken it twice. I've applied for it four times. And the other two times that I've missed, I've literally just forgotten that it was the time to take the test online. And so probably one of those times I would have made it on. But, you know, we're in a new era of Jeopardy now, so it's possible not make it on with one of these, you know, non-Alex Trebek posts, which is something like that was actually my dream my dream was to get on while alex was still the host and clearly that's you know not gonna happen anymore but if i can still get on the show like that'll still be a pretty like dope lifelong dream but yeah nothing nothing right now
0: so i was like three days away from getting on the hundred thousand dollar pyramid oh and a positive covid desk got me that's what got me. Oh. <laughs> my doc said you know what you can travel you can't take mass transportation And I told the producers, my doctor said, I'm fine. I just can't take mass transportation. And like, well, we'll just have to hold you off for next season. So that was one. I did the Jeopardy anytime test, made it past the first one, bombed out on the second Zoom test. So then I got to wait till October to to do that again. I got to wait a year. It's a lot of near misses for me. Uh, But I've been just like, basically, any other time I'm sitting at home, I'm watching Jeopardy, I'm watching... Sale of the century, just watching the old, just the, they had that whole lightning round thing 60 seconds, where it's fast paced. I sat there just watching 30 minutes non stop of them doing a bunch of bonus rounds, and I just kept trying to get myself in that mood. and It's like sometimes Sailor it's like taking the dog out of the fight, it'll stay there. It, it may be dormant, but it'll find its way to pop back up when you need it. And other than that, I haven't been in trivia night in six years
2: because I At used to do that year, since we've been, now, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, since I moved to Delaware, I haven't been to a trivia night. We talked about the HCAS format change. It's so ridiculous. I I, I mean, nothing against them. Hey, you still got to play the game, but it's just not my cup of tea. And when I watched it, I just felt so out of place. And maybe it's just that. And it's like the old man hates change. That's what it is. That's probably what it was. Such a different (laughs) format. One of the things I want to talk to you guys about, we all met in college. Or in some way in college, I graduated after Christina and Fred and Meredith and all came in. But I want to give you guys this opportunity to talk about your post-college accolades and accomplishments, starting with Elvin. You would like, degrees uh, and things like
4: that. People maybe should know a little more. Like, well, after I UMES, I think everybody knows I was finishing up my master's there. I finished that and didn't go back. I've had various positions over the past, oh, my God. Uh, I graduated what '05, so 16 years since grad school. But I've been with the uh, federal government s- since 2012. Before that, I've kind of bounced around. I was, uh, exact worked at Copsen for a year. And I'm going to nonprofit working for the uh, American Fisheries Society as their policy person. So I got to put my fisheries and environmental science degree to work for a while. I was there for four and a half years. And then I transitioned over to USDA working with the Small Business Innovation Research Program. So I was there for eight, eight eight and a half years or so. First as a uh, specialist and then the program manager. And then previous administration decided to move my agency to Kansas City. <laughs> so I had to find another job. So I've been with the uh, SBA for a year and a half now, working with the main SBIR team, and with there I manage a grant program that gives money to states to help companies with small business development for SBIR. And to explain SBIR, it's pretty much like a um, R&D program that the government funds has been around for 30 plus years now. A lot of big time companies have gotten their start with that those funds, and it's. Run through eleven different agencies with DOD and NIH being the largest pot. So everything from Qualcomm, so the chips in your phones, a lot of technology came out of that research. Twenty-three Me started with NIH grants. The Roomba robot actually came through SBIR as well through DOD. Initial technology was through use of IEDs in Iraq and Afghanistan. Wow! Uh, so some wait, stop!
6: Roombas were looking for bombs.
4: Yes, the initial technology. That's yep. uh... So just to give you an idea of, of the sort of technology that, that has come out of the program in the past couple of years, it's not where I thought I would end up per se, but with my science background, especially working with a lot of grantees I have and over the years, it, it's really come in handy um, as, as well just being truly really, I'm not some – pencil pushing government bureaucrat who doesn't know nothing about nothing. I've actually you know have a background of being in the real world and in science. So it's um it's been great and I learned a lot and with that my team we got the in twenty twelve the highest award from the Department of Agriculture for the work we've done with the S V R program. Well, nice. um, and I've also adjunct taught for a long time. We got a couple teacher of the quarter awards, nothing nothing big, but um yeah, you know, got married, family, regular stuff.
0: Mummy, how about you? What was your degree in and did you go to graduate school and, and everything you've been doing since that? So my degree
5: was in environmental science. I had successfully avoided graduate school until fairly recently. Um, <laughs> started grad school last year. I've been with the DOD for the last 13 years evaluated bio biodefense programs for a bulk of that time, and also went and got a cosmetology license and an aesthetics license because it was something I was interested in. Nice. I can do that. And now I work for headquarters of the Army, managing teeny infrastructure.
0: Wow. Wow. Uh, Janice, how about you?
1: So after I graduated UNES, I went straight to Green Tech. there. I uh, while ride there. After I graduated there, I went to UMass. I started a PhD program at UMass. I was there for a few uh, years. Couldn't quite make the traction that I needed to or that I wanted to with my research and stuff. So I dropped out. And then I started like just doing a lot of different random jobs. Like I I did retail management. After that, I was doing... I love, Warehouse supervising, like just a lot of random stuff. But where I am now is I am teaching middle school social studies, which is exactly what I've always wanted in the back of my mind. I graduated with a sociology degree and I wanted a history degree at the time. UMES didn't have a history major, they only had the minor. Um, and so this was like, it's kind of, it reminds me of like the jobs that I've had after college. It's like, uh, you know, when you um, spin a quarter on a table. And you know, pay attention, like you see different faces, different things are showing, and then it finally like lands. That's where I'm at. So like the, the different jobs, like like different faces, different aspects, I'm learning like different things. But teaching is really like my home.
0: Mark, how about you? I know you're working on becoming Dr. DeMora. As you can tell <laughs>
2: I'm trying to figure out the Cliff Notes version of the past 10, 12 years. And there's been so much stuff. So I've touched on some of it got the physics degree from SU in 08. I've often said that I love my degree, but I haven't always loved where my degree is taking me because physicists are not as in the kind of demand the as they were 30, 40 years ago. And so in retrospect, I might have wanted to get my degree in math you know, instead because mathematicians are now and suddenly in demand again. And, you know, it's just one of those things where when I was a kid, it was always like, don't go into math. Don't If you want to go into math, if you want to be a teacher kind of thing. Yeah. When I was a kid, I was constantly told, don't get a math degree because the only thing you can do is teach, which is wrong. And I wish I had 20 years. Because I would have gotten my degree in math. Math really is my first love. But um, after UMES, I had my NASA internship at Goddard in the astrophysics department, which I enjoyed. That was right when the economy hit, though, and the hiring freeze happened. So I moved to Greenbelt area and hiring freeze happened. I had to head right back to the shore. The only jobs I can give the time were part-time things, you know, teaching like robotics clubs or doing that, you know, that kind of thing. So I basically rode that way for about 10 years because I literally couldn't find anything full time. Um, I got my MBA during that time frame, and yes, I did start my PhD in applied physics at, with um, a professor at UMEX. We were working on uh, the applications of nanoscale three D printing oh. and Ooh. contact dynamics. Three D printing is one of my big hobbies. It's why the three D printed dragons and all that kind of thing there. It's become one of my just um, become a big tech nerd and this is a physics nerd. So. Um, my adjunct as a physics prof at UMS for three years, I really did enjoy that. It got me back to the roots and got some of the cobwebs out. And um, it's funny because, oh, uh, I have a, I don't even have my PhD, but here I am, I'm able to kind of, you know, stand toe to toe with some of these physics profs and these other people. And that was a real great confidence booster. And the, um, the students, I think, you know, I really liked for the most part. For the most part, they were excellent. And just again, just. They've been having so much fun for a long time. Yeah, you know, it gives me hope for the you know future, at least. Um, I've had a lot of health problems, unfortunately, in the past four or five years, which I won't jump crazy into. Um, some of them, life-threatening, have definitely caused issues, you know, that's cancer, and all that Hold kind on. of thing. It's uh, not been, you know, that's affected me. And so I definitely put a hindrance on things. Um, PhD stopped because literally the research was not found to quote-unquote be within the realm of uh, academic pursuits of the program. (laughs) That's a long story in and of itself, but yeah, after buying a $300,000 nanoscale 3D printer, then we're told no. I kind of look at that as a problem if we've been able to buy the thing, but then told that we can't do anything with it. So that was an issue in and of itself. But um, I moved to Annapolis and I'm actually in the process of moving into a new house in Davidsonville as we speak. So that's been keeping me crazy busy because I now work at College Park and I oversee the uh, STEM programming for the Maryland 4-H programming. So robotics and aerospace, technology, 3D printing, computer science, <coughs> maker spaces, all those sorts of things. And so tenure track position that comes with its own lovely craziness (laughs) and the hope is is that either i'll get tenure i'll get my phd maybe i'll get back to nasa we'll see which way the future goes but i'm just kind of happy after some of the health stuff just kind of still be around still be kicking it's the whole what doesn't kill you make you stronger kind of thing
0: christine how about you what was your undergraduate degree at umes and what is your graduate degree
3: so my undergrad degree was business education I realized during the middle of my student teaching that teaching was not for me, but thankfully, I guess through HCAS, because uh, Dr. Terrell um, referred me to a internship through um, the MSI program, so I ended up interning the summer of 2009 at the Department of Energy for the National Nuclear Security Administration under their chief learning officer, and I ended up going to grad school in D.C. and working for them full-time as a graduate intern. So yeah, HCAS actually got me my first job out of undergrad. I worked for NSA for two years as their recruitment liaison, and then I got my graduate degree from Trinity Washington University in 2012. It's a master's of science and administration in organizational management, HR concentration. And then I transitioned from Department of Energy to the Department of Justice. I was a federal contractor with BAE Systems. I worked at their service desk for a couple of years. Then I was promoted to technical trainer. And then in 2016, I became a federal employee, permanent federal employee. So now I manage the technology training program for the antitrust division at the Department of Justice. And that's where I've been since then. And I am an EDD candidate working on my dissertation on the relationship between work-life balance and supervisor and leadership satisfaction within the federal government. Hope to graduate by the end of the year. We'll see. I don't know. This dissertation about to take me out, Um, (laughs) y'all. And I am also a wife and mom. My husband and I will celebrate ten years in twenty twenty two. And He's also a Umes alum, and we have two kids. <laughs> Caitlin will be eight in July. The boy, I Jesus, boy. are you serious? Yeah, She's your niece and Yeah, and then your Christ. nephew gonna be six. We not talk about him in October. He, he's
6: already, he's already twenty one. <laughs> you got, you got somebody that's twenty one and somebody that's thirty. We're done, right?
3: Okay. and as you can see fred and i still you know whenever he is on the east coast <laughs> we still see each other because yeah um yeah weddings so, and friends weddings and, and babies and, and babies friends
6: and yeah uh,
3: yeah. but yeah it's been a lot what else have i done oh and of course like one of the most important things i joined the only sorority that matters zeta Phi beta sorority incorporated in 2014. <laughs> so yeah i spend my time between that pta wife, mom, dabbling a little bit in local government, one of the county com- commissions, so.
2: Wow. Tina, that dissertation, you know, topic, boy. <laughs> I, mean, <it's> <laughs> I know. A but man, do I feel like I could relate to what you're talking about. <laughs> oh my gosh.
3: Because it sounds so duh, of course, like if you have work-life balance then you're going to like your supervisor, but um, I've it's learned in this COVID problem, working from home, they don't care about work-life balance. <laughs> no, that's
2: right. It's such a problem.
3: Yeah, not at all. I was definitely off yesterday and had a meeting. So oh, what?
4: <laughs> I'm like, <I'm sorry>, what?
3: <laughs> oh, that's, but but like like well, I mean, you could probably know, like they'll be like, Oh, we know you're flex, but and then you'd be like, No, I'm not. <laughs> like, yes, especially
5: if your boss is doing the same thing. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's such an important topic. Like the mm. the degree I was looking at that I'm doing right now is in management and it's so funny because I had I've had a very interesting tenure at my last organization. And the things I would rant and rave about, I'm, I'm seeing in literature. I'm like, oh, so I'm not the crazy. Cool, cool, cool. I'm so, cool. <laughs> I'm so glad.
6: It's right. never it's not nice. nice. Hmm.
2: Validation. Not,
0: companies gaslight you. That's all it is. Oh, yeah. um, yeah, my goodness. Um, <laughs> Fred, how about you? <laughs> what did you do you uh, <laughs> oh, <excuse laughs> asking your degree? So
6: my degree was in business administration, concentration in marketing. After college, I three weeks, like almost to the day, I moved to Los Angeles and had a slew of jobs, everything from working in artist management to working for startups, worked in a few educational nonprofits, retail, and through all of that stuff, I remember just And I even thought about conversations I have with people back in college, like talking about food and restaurants and having all of that stuff. So after everything and all the jobs that I have currently, I am, so two things, working for somebody and then I have something that I'm doing. So who I'm working for right now, I am a prep cook at a Japanese restaurant, just keep myself in the kitchen, working, working on knife skills, all of that stuff. And then personally, I own a baking business uh, called Fred He Bakes. And, and I'm also going to be expanding to private dining and more event production once the world starts to open up. So that's where I am right now, the world of food and Epicurean delights and flavors and savory things. So that's where I am. And probably in the next couple of years, probably even within the next year, I'm, I'm hoping to be like a traveling chef. So you hire me, I'll show up, cook something amazing. home. So that's where I am right now.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. I was just talking to Matt off air. He's like, hey, we all got to get together and do dinner sometime because he was talking about that. Hey, maybe, Fred, you be the one to cook the dinner for everybody. Hey, I have no problem with that. I
6: love hosting. I love cooking. I get more enjoyment out of watching everybody eat than I do out of eating the food myself. I know the food's good, but then watching other people enjoy it, perfect for me.
0: Yeah, I might need you to make something keto-friendly since I'm on keto. I have to ask you about keto desserts, yeah. but I'll, I'll ask you that a little bit off air. Um, <laughs> and just a little bit about me. Since asked, I got my degree in English, non-teaching, concentration of communications. After that, prior to doing a full-time job, I worked doing toll booths in uh, Ocean City. I did part-time Saturday nights on a country radio station, I was a freelance newspaper reporter, Became a full-time newspaper reporter in 2009, did that, became a full-time sports reporter in 2012, won three MDDC awards, plus a uh, couple of best of Gannett awards, then ended up forced out of writing and becoming a web editor, web producer, whatever fancy stuff they like using. Uh, did that for three years uh, at the Daily Times in Salisbury, and then the Wilmington News Journal, moved to Wilmington, Delaware, Newcastle, Newark, Delaware. And then since the tail end of 2018, I've been working at a medical publishing company in Thoroughfare, New Jersey. Thankfully, I don't have to actually drive (laughs) there because the toll in Delaware's murder. They basically (laughs) told you to get out of Delaware into Maryland. They told you to get out of New Jersey to get into Delaware. That's $25 a day. And, and I'm glad I'm working from home. Now, I in November or October, I was promoted to a role as an online content editor for an editing podcast. Thanks to this podcast, I actually got a role and a promotion and a job. Well, that in George Floyd, but that's a different story to a different time. But thanks to those two things, uh, I was able to get a promotion there. But yeah, other than that, you know, I'm the least credentialed person in my household. My wife is She's about to finish up her master's and uh, get her MBA and uh, with Martin gets no. her MBA she'll finish up next week and that'll be her, her her last class for that and then a week after that she'll take a break and then she'll start working on her master's in accounting so, mm. <laughs> so yes yes four years of UMS burnt me out for undergrad and, and some promises were supposed to be set and not made for grad school but and so that's why I'm like <laughs> I ain't paying out of pocket I'll, I'll go with what I can I'll go with what I got before we wrap this up I know everybody Everybody's got something to promote and i want to give you guys the opportunity to give shout outs to anybody and promote and, and if you got anything on social media let us know because i know at least a couple people were doing podcasts at one point and then i know everybody else was doing everything else so everybody feel free to shill because this is the time before we wrap it up eldon we'll start with you
4: okay well i am a uh, amateur tutorialist, so, so i run a website called Webster style uh it's Ooh. um A little bit of everything, a little bit of tech, a little bit of geek, a little bit of style. I've been doing it since 2009. I had a podcast before certain events in my life back in 2014, and I've gotten back into podcasting. So now I've been doing the Sartorial and Geek podcast by Webster Style. It's a weekly podcast where um, basically taglines talk about bow ties, comic books, and everything in between. So I talk about fragrance, talk about a little bit of geek stuff, uh, games that I downloaded and played, and just really anything that's on my mind. And that's on iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, uh, website style on Instagram, and you will find all the details you need there.
0: Uh, Mumbi, how about you? Any shout out and anything else you're promoting?
5: Um, I have nothing to promote. Let me just go ahead and use my time to congratulate all of y'all on your side hustles. I have retired from all of the ones that I had.
6: <laughs>
5: but congratulations on you guys. You guys sound like you all are doing great. And I'm really happy to hear that. Janice, how about you?
1: Um, yeah, I, I'm i just thankful to be able to meet up with you. Again, I'm really glad to hear um, about everyone's uh, successes and growth and progress. I don't have anything to sell or to promote. Um, I hope. Well, I guess I am. It's still in the infantile uh, stages, but I'm gonna be developing some um teach from home lessons for parents on black history for parents to uh guide their students or uh, their kids on. But other than that, man, please the babies hug, hug an educator. Mark, yeah. Mark
0: will hold you off. I I wanna let Christina and Fred go. Christina, how about you?
3: Um, I don't have anything uh to promote, just keep washing your hands and wearing your masks. That's important. <laughs>
6: Good, good one. Good one. Uh, Fred, how about you? Um, Just the uh, website. Uh, I'm holding off on orders for now because I'm actually moving uh, within the next couple of weeks, but once I get everything going, fredhebakes.com. Lots of cookies. Um, I'm going to be expanding the menu once I move, so I'm going to be going back into brownies. I'm going to be going making jams again and other different types of things. Uh, Earl, we are going to talk offline because we should actually have this relationship going already, but we want to talk offline about all of that. And if anybody else has a podcast or anything and is looking for sponsors, I'm looking to expand and things like that. So Eldon, I know you got something uh, going. I'm definitely going to check in on yourself. Uh, even the some of the SBA stuff too, because you know, I'm always looking for grants and a little extra money for equipment and things like that. But right now, just baking. Uh, so freddiebakes.com. And then for everybody that will be in the L.A. area probably over the summer, You'll hear from me, it'll be events, it'll be websites, it'll be private dining. And I'm going to try to build this stuff out because, you know, I want to do it for myself, you know, pretty soon. So, yeah, tax breaks are awesome when you're, uh, when you're making money by yourself, Thank you. very
2: much. Hey, Mark, how about you? Anything to shout out, anything to promote? So, the big side hustle, I guess, if you can call it that. I've been streaming for about going on five, six years now. I do not have a big channel, it's a small channel. It's on Twitch, and that's the name right here. That's why there's this big sign in front of me. That's my username. It's Coral Cola. It's based off my favorite game. But um, Twitch has been one of those. This Things where I mean, it escapes the past five, six years. I've been seeing some nice growth the past six months. So that's my big side hustle. Twitch.tv slash Coral Cola. Follow there. I um, was going to try to stream tonight, but you know we'll see what happens. Um, the hope is sometime very soon that I'll be starting a new podcast. Earl, I've already talked about it at length, called A Child of the 80s. So I know we have a lot of 80s kids here, so basically anything and everything from the perspective of an 80s child or just anything that's happened in the 80s, even if you were born in the 70s or the 90s, that has some effect or some consequence from what happened in the 80s, which I'd like to think is everybody's favorite decade. It should, it should be everybody's <laughs> favorite decade. But um, basically anything and everything. I, Earl and I were just talking one night, and I, we, I had my list. He came up with his list. I literally have... Topics for about literally 200 different podcast episodes. Oh, man. It's just unbelievable how much that, you know, we could could be talked about. So the hope is that maybe if I can just get out of my own way, you know, and just I'll have the time, we'd be able to start that by the end of the year. And so I wanted to do a podcast for a long. We'll see
0: what happens. And for everybody else who knows that, uh, apparently, I've been dubbed the podfather by some former co workers as I helped them get their podcast <laughs> <out laughs> off the ground. But, uh, but I really appreciate you guys being a part of this, and I don't want to hold you guys up. We've been going almost three hours, which is uh, honestly probably the longest podcast. I'm just pretty much going to keep this in, except for any little sound stuff, because honestly, this is great content, and that's what we do it for. We do it for the content. When you end up getting into good conversation, the time can just fly. I was glad to have Eldon, Mumby, Matt, Mark, Janice, Christina, and Fred on the panel to wax nostalgic about our days playing Hcask, and I look forward to having an alumni meetup in the near future. Next time, my guest will be Destiny Morgan Davis. Davis will discuss her journey from being a varsity and collegiate-level softball player to her foray into sports marketing and management before eventually becoming a displayed artist. With all episodes of the Sports Refuge, you can find this and other episodes wherever podcasts are heard, including Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Podbean, and you can listen to episodes on the Sports Refuge website as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of these apps and also leave a mention, which we'll read on a future episode. Until next time, this is Earl Holland saying thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at theSportsRefuge, on Instagram at sportsrefuge sports blog, and on Facebook at theSportsRefuge sports blog. Thank you for listening.